Welcome everyone to Davos Fingers episode 86 of Wolves and Hoods. I'm Scatty and with me as always is my buddy Matt. And hello, hello, hello. Thank you, Scatty. You know, guys, the dance uh, is over. It's ended, but someone has to clean it up. So this episode is going to explore just that. We're going to look at the years following the Dance of the Dragons, specifically the years 131 to 133. Those are kind of the first years of the reign of Aegon III. Uh, you'll remember our last episode ended with Aegon II dying as he was poisoned. Yeah. Our source material this time will be the Fire and Blood chapters called Aftermath, The Hour of the Wolf, and the chapter right after that called Under the Regents, The Hooded Hand. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's nice to finish off the dance. We're going to clean up with the girl that brung us. That's each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, deal with, with the rest of Fire and Blood. So so what we're doing is we've, you know, we've covered the Dance of Dragons. We also tried to rope in any content that was missing from Dance of Dragons, from, uh, sorry, from Fire and Blood. In the Prince of the Queen and all the other novellas and stuff. So we're going to keep going, right? We're going to keep going through Fire and Blood. Even though we kind of skipped some of the earlier parts of Fire and Blood, we're going to keep going and try mm -hmm. to finish off Fire and Blood with the next several episodes. And then, you know, maybe we'll go back and we'll we'll get some of the stuff we missed with uh, Aegon the First and Jaehaerys and Alysanne and stuff like that. So just stick with us. We'll, we'll, we'll end up covering all of Fire and Blood in the end. So. We always get there, guys. Yeah. Yep. In yep. our own Davosian, Fingerisian way. In in the way of, oh, shit, we just realized we need to figure out what to do next. In, mm -hmm. in that way. Yeah. Yep. As you do. As we do. Yep. Uh, yeah, stick with us. We'll get there. Uh, as far as other announcements go, so... Radio Westeros just had a fantastic new episode. You know, Scad, we should shout out more of our podcast friends more in this, in these announcements. Um, yeah. We love our friends at, at Radio Westeros. We started our podcasts about the same time, and it's been a fun journey to share together. Yeah. But the reason we're shouting out this specific one is it's on Lyanna Stark, first of all, which, man, talk about needed content in the fandom, a whole episode dedicated to Lyanna. How cool is that? Uh, but as he's been doing for a, a couple recent Radio Westeros works, Scad has provided some cool voice work voicing some uh, some different characters so check out that episode at uh, radiowesteros.com or wherever you consume their podcasts and you can hear scad doing his thing yeah. which i listened to it today and i and i loved it yeah they uh they get they always get great you know great talent to to do some of their stuff and i've been lucky enough to get approached a few times and i tell you what i had to do ned this time and it, that's a that's that's tough. That's an honor, right? right. And uh, it, it was really interesting. Just to, I mean, they were you know short, not not a huge section, but just to try to climb into his head for a little bit was was kind of interesting. Um, but uh, the the thing I really want to say about this episode is it has a beautiful, beautiful, hauntingly pretty uh, rendition of Jenny's song, uh, smack right dab in the middle uh, by Shakes of Thrones and. Whew. Man, check it out. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it was lovely, for sure. Yeah. In that vein, uh, Kalisar 
Listen to the end of today's episode. Listen clear to the end. Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Let's see. One more announcement. Yeah, one more announcement. We're we're coming up on summer. Uh, Matt and I are family men. We like to take some, some vacations and uh, get a little bit of a break from the podcast during this busy summertime of travel and barbecues and things. Um, and so we will be taking a summer break. We'll have one more episode after this one that will release on July 1st. And then after that, we'll be back. We'll be off for a little bit, and we'll have, be back with new episodes in September. Right. Yep. And we'll have, you know, we'll be around, just like always. We'll be around. We'll be working on some things that we may have promised before that we never seem right. to get time for while we're doing regular episodes. Um, things like maybe a store. And I really got to yeah, get something going with our website. And stuff. We got yes. a ton of stuff. that. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff to do. That, uh, yeah, you would yeah. think you would think, Kalisar, that with us only putting out an episode every three weeks, that we would just be like, just, you know, kicking rocks and Listen. sitting by the pool and everything every in those two weeks that we don't have an episode. And I feel like we never slow down. No, nope. it is just all the time. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm not complaining. No. I love my life. Yeah. And, uh, but it's just, it's a busy season of life for both Skat and I. And, and again, that's not complaining, but, uh, this, this summer break is a nice time for us to re energize, but also to focus our, we only have so many hours in a day and in a week to work on Davos Fingers stuff. And so this will allow us to allocate some of those hours to, instead of prepping for episodes, to doing some of this other stuff that we've wanted to do for a long time. So, correct. Correct. You know. So, uh, moving on to the episode, now that we've rambled a little bit. Um, well, it, it says here this is a bit of a new format, but you guys are probably getting used to yeah, it by now. Probably used to it by now. We're I was not, thinking the same thing today. Yeah, we're not doing traditional summaries. You know, these aren't POV chapters, um, and there's no Davos After Dark for this kind of stuff. It's all just, you know, historically uh, presented information. So, it's all on the table for the whole cast. There's no spoiler information, and we'll just kind of... Tell, tell summarize as best we can the history without making it boring uh which you know we'll see so enjoy <laughs> yeah but uh, as always if you want to reach out to us you can always find us in a number of different places davosfingers.com our email address is we are davosfingers at gmail.com we're always on the twitter which is at davosfingers uh, Facebook, you can find us there too. And Patreon, you can learn more about our Patreon program and all of its benefits at patreon.com slash Davos Fingers. And uh, I just have to say, because you reminded me with the, the Twitter, uh, uh, Tanaris Targaryen's tweet earlier this week um, was amazing. Uh, just a sh- quick shout out to her. Thank you so much. That was so Matt responded to you in, on the Twitter, and it was just so meaningful to read that um, about how you know your your whole story and um, you know the changes to your life and how you've tried to fight through it was just inspiring to read. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, we um, despite what you may think, we may not remember your names all the time, Kalisar, because yes. there are a lot of you in my memory. I don't remember what I had for breakfast, but uh, we always remember, at least I feel like I always remember the stories and, and everything. And I distinctly remember 
10 areas when she went through. She went through a car accident, for those of you not on Twitter. Yeah. And it was pretty severe. And uh, she really has come through it like a champ. It's a model of kind of perseverance and stuff. So. Yeah. It was a um, so just wanted to throw it out there. All right, moving on. Yes. So speaking of Patreon, yeah. um, let's shout out our uh, some of our Patreon patrons, yes. as it were. Yes, as it were. As we do every other episode, um, starting with our dirty cab driver level <laughs> patrons. <laughs> you guys remember that story? <laughs> oh man, uh, I laugh every time I think about it. Dirty cat. We we throw it we throw it around now just like it's normal, but really that was a that was a landmark moment in Davos Fingers history. <laughs> if you guys don't remember it, let's see what circa it episode been, eighteen or nineteen or so, I would think. Whatever whatever the chapter is that when Theon, Theon returns the to Pike. Yeah, on the yep. on, to Pike on the Myraham. Yeah. That's the yep. episode. So go check that one out if you've yeah. joined us kind of later in the podcast's history. Yeah. But at our dirty cab driver Patreon level, we have Lady Fatass Red. Jeff H. Archmaester June, healer of the lesser poxes. Jeremy L. Jamie K. Donorous. Colin U. Sarah Storm via Snow, the bastard storm. Alex G. Alexander G. Gib. Jeaner. Ghost Chase Killer. The Bard of Legends, Aaron M. And Cat Spearborn. And then at the reach-around level, we have our friend B-Word, the Queen Beyond the Wall. And our Team John level, we have Misa, the Queen of Gifts and Beauty. Thank you, Thank everyone. you. Very yes, much for Thank you support. for your support all to all our patrons. Absolutely. All right. Ready to dig in Let's on this Let's dig thing? into this thing. So like we said, we've got two chapters from Fire and Blood that we're covering. The first is kind of a short chapter, but packed with fun stuff. Uh, and that is the chapter called Aftermath. The hour of the wolf. So take us there, Scatty. Yeah. Oh, actually, I've got a, uh, a quick quote to, Ooh, to kick us off. Quotable. All right. Yes. Okay, so to set us up here, the Dance of the Dragons has ended. Aegon II was firmly seated on the throne, and then he died. And uh, so now we're going into Aftermath, the hour of the wolf. This section I'm calling the False Dawn. The false dawn, Grand Maester Munkin names it in his true telling. A heady time, no doubt, but short-lived. For when Lord Cregan Stark arrived before King's Landing with his Northmen, the frolics ended, and the happy plans came crashing down. It's a good quote. I gotta ask, a heady time? What is that? Well... This is a family podcast. All right, all right, I, I don't right. know that I can... Grandmaster Munkin calls Aegon III the Broken King and put me on a spit and light of fire if it's not the best description we've had of a monarch so far. As a boy, Aegon III witnessed countless scarring events. From oh my gosh. To abandon his younger brother to pirates, right? He had another brother fall to his death from a dragon right before his eyes. Oh, I forgot about the pirates thing. Yeah. Ang... Just... Go ahead. No, Go... that's what I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, and he had to leave him, right? He abandoned mm -hmm. him, right? Ang angry riots that wanted nothing more than to tear his family to pieces. And finally, seeing his mother eaten by a dragon in six bites right in front of his face. Gosh. Basically, his whole family has died around him in his short life. He didn't see all of it, but 
death is like it's 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 well known to him and to say the man is disturbed well at this point he's a boy isn't really accurate because that would require some level of fire or some evidence of motivation of any kind Aegon, yeah, when i think of that i think of like viserys right um yes. viserys danny's brother yes that... yeah this, this is not that <laughs> viserys yeah viserys has gone through some stuff and he uses that to make fire in his soul and he's angry and wants to do things Aegon is just completely disinterested he is a mm -hmm. husk he doesn't like to eat or drink he has virtually no interest in his wife uh, or his children he is truly broken yeah I thought of the Dave Matthews song Grey Street now there's an emptiness inside her in this case him there's an emptiness inside her she'd do anything to fill it in but all the colors just mix together to grey but yeah. I don't even know that he's interested in filling it in like this, but he's just yeah, man. yeah. Go with wallflowers. Some flowers never bloom, and some just bloom dead. He's just there's a darkness within him that never went away. He's blooming dead. <laughs> you just feel for the guy. My goodness, you do. So the that you know that's who he would become, right? This person that doesn't enjoy his wife and his children and. You know, mm -hmm. you can see, you know, as a kid, maybe you think, oh, well, he'll recover or he'll get better. But that's who he becomes. And, you know, all the people know right now in this story is that 10-year-old Aegon III is one of the last chances for a return to a peaceful Targaryen rule, right? Armies of Riverrun, Northmen, and Valemen, 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 Vale, men from the Vale. Armies of the Vale. <laughs> are coming to King's Landing now to put him on the throne. And unbeknownst to them, the job was already done. So <laughs> they arrive at King's Landing, led by the lads. The Northmen are way behind, right? Cregan and getting out of the north takes forever, and, and he's, he's just way behind. The Vale is coming by ship. Um, so the first people to get there to the gates are Riverlanders. And, um, you know, good for them. They earned it, all the effort they put in during the dance. Uh, it's nice that they get, like... <laughs> this little tiny reward of kind of showing up to to free this city if you want to look at it that way but really the mounds of bodies left <laughs> scattered throughout the river the riverlands right yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so they uh you know we, we covered this in the last episode the job is done right Aegon has been murdered um you know by some scheming from uh laris and uh and uh Corliss. Corliss, Valerion. Thank you. So this army is, you know, they had a big win uh, in, over Boris Baratheon in the Riverlands, and then they just marched right on in. Uh, mm -hmm. It's an army led by kids. And it's interesting. <laughs> um, we see an army here led by kids. Kermit Tully, Oscar Tully, uh, 19, 18. Uh, Benjikot Blackwood, 13 years old and a, a veteran of, you know, many wars. They're kind of bound together by battle, these kids. Yeah. And they're friends, right? And the, the Riverlands through a lot, man. themselves yeah. the Riverlands themselves kind of seem to be in good hands for this evil future with these guys, and they're known as the lads. But uh didn't we see just recently, Matt, another army trying to get to King's Landing? Very close, almost there, and they suffered from some leadership issues. Sure did. Remember that? Yeah. 
So, you know, here we have, you know, these this army that's been crushed in, you know, conflict after conflict from the Riverlands, right? And these young kids just pick them up and lead them. Uh, pretty interesting. We've also got with them Black Alley, uh, Black Alisan, uh, who's Benjikot's aunt, and Sabita Frey, who is um, the uh, mistress of 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 uh, the, tow the twins, I guess. They're along for the ride, and they'll have quite a role to play later as well. And they show up, and they're greeted as heroes, Matt. Yeah. Uh, Orwile hailed them as deliverers, which yeah. made me laugh. <laughs> what exactly are we delivering? Right. Wait a second. Yeah. And Do you know who we are? And it, it mentions in the text that this is kind of supposedly engineered by Laris, right? He yeah. wants he wants to kind of give it to these boys, right? Make them make them feel like they've earned something and that they're special. Probably mm -hmm. because he's got some ulterior motive, like uh, I don't know, sweeping under the rug the fact that they just murdered someone. Wait, Laris has ulterior motives. <laughs> what? 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 Water is, is this wet? thing on? <laughs> huh? So. So here they are. So uh, meanwhile, while, while the lads show up in King's Landing and march through the streets with cheers and trumpets and, uh, you know, their farts smelling like roses, um, the Vale uh, troops subdue the Crown Lands. And when I say subdue, I really mean like they kind of wave at them and say hello. Uh, the lands surrounding King's Landing just fall easily dusk and dale and Maiden hey we're pool. here yeah you got your flag up yeah you got your uh your black flag okay good exactly. good looking great guys okay we'll see you later exactly dusk and dale maiden maiden pool stoked with the rosby they just open their gates okay mm -hmm. yep we're in welcomed with feasts and flowers yeah right uh only dragonstone puts up a fight um sort of kind of but in an ironic <laughs> moment the household rises up against them and delivers them to the besieging Alan Valerion. Now this household, Matt, again, I feel That's like we awesome. just saw this in the dance. Yeah. <laughs> where they kind of uh, sneakily uh, rose up against the people that were in charge and murdered or betrayed them. And, uh, you know... Yeah. Or, or maybe these were the people that were betrayed before, so turnabout is fair play here? I don't know. The crown needs to like enlist these guys, <laughs> this this household of Dragonstone, as like the first Westeros SEAL team. Yeah, like, right. or, or yeah, or like uh, you know, undercover agents. Right, We're these going guys are to like give you an identity, born identity type guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You Jason will be Bourne. a washerwoman. You will infiltrate this house. And, and she'll know how to play the, the part of a washerwoman perfectly because she was one before she started this. From Perfect. washerwoman and butler and cook to secret asset oh, of Westeros. The, the ideas for a kooky play are coming to mind. Yes. Mm. I'll never write it. Uh, strange euphoria. So um, just imagine, if you will, Kalisar. A city that has felt the threat of war over their heads. They've seen it in their streets more than once. 
Mm-hmm. And they've seen its leadership change hands like six times in two years. So, so they've got just kind of a lot of pent-up angst and like worry and fear and just a lot going on. So somebody has the great idea to burn Aegon II in a cathartic exercise, you know, to get to burn away all the bad juju from the conflicts of the past two years. Now, yeah. Targaryens burn their, their dead anyway, right, Matt? Sure. So, you know, it's not like uh, that big a deal. But I also, it seems, you know, symbolically like a cleansing kind of a thing. Yeah, I like what you said, cathartic. Right. That's um, good, man. And then, of course, they plan they plan uh, Aegon the Younger uh, to be crowned in front of thousands. And, uh, you know, it'll be a big thing. They they get a wedding together uh, for he and his cousin Jay Hera, right? Kind of planned. And this mm-hmm. is just relieved and happy to to have this, right? You know, and they're... I don't remember whether it was right now or, or later, but um, they talk, there, there's a line in there that says, a city that just recently went on a rampage and murdered dragons was overjoyed now to see uh, Morning, whose reign as dragon, come to town. Yeah, so maybe, That might be a little bit later, but... It's the right. same kind of feeling. It's the idea. Yep. It's the same kind of feeling. They're just, a new Targaryen king? Wonderful. You hated the last six of them, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did you way dirty. Yeah. Yep. So, anyway, they're just happy to be safe, I think, right? Um, also, peace offerings are sent out. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because, um, you know, we can we can draw parallels a lot of the time from these stories, to a Song of Ice and Fire, the main series, or Duncan Egg, or whatever. Tons of times we drew parallels from Duncan Egg to the main series, and I think there's a lot of that here too. But this is again, this is the I think the third time now, just in this episode, where I've tied it to last episode of Davos Fingers, twenty pages ago in this book. Did we just see this exact same scenario where people are still harboring doubts and they can choose to go fight them or offer them peace? We did twice. Aegon had the chance to forgive people and forget, and Rhaenyra also had the chance to forgive people yep. and forget. And mm-hmm. the choices they made, Matt? No. Well, where are Rhaenyra and Aegon now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Rhaenyra, I can't remember exactly what Aegon said, but Rhaenyra specifically said, yeah, I'll offer peace when my half-brothers are dead. <laughs> well, all right. So, so they're handling things different here. They're going to offer mm-hmm. peace offerings to everybody who was on the green side. They want it. They want this whole thing to go away, right? But don't worry, because the fun is all coming to a close quickly. <laughs> From the north comes a nice, bitter man oh, at the ripe old age of 23. Where, what has happened to this guy at 23 years old? Uh. The Lord Cregan, he may only be 23, but he is all man. He's brought with him a large host of uncouth, ungodly, rough around the edges Northmen and frankly, ready to die. Yeah, yeah, ready. They're looking for a fight, right? And they wouldn't <laughs> mind dying. Um, Cregan has finally come to honor his deal with Jace. Mm-hmm. Only you know, like two years Who's late. Like, Jace? Yeah, <laughs> Jace. Yeah. Uh, remember two hundred pages ago? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What took him so long? 
The Pact of Ice and Fire, right? The Pact of Ice and Fire, where he was supposed to give his youngest daughter to Jace's firstborn son, Mm -hmm. uh, I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that never happened because Jace never had any children. Um, Killed very shortly after that pact was signed. And at this point, yeah, and and, uh, Cregan doesn't even have a daughter yet. Yeah, I I think that's true. Uh, he will spoiler alert but spoilers uh mm-hmm. so so yeah so he's, but why do you think it took him two years to get here that seems i know you know bring in the bring in the crops and everything but two years yeah yeah the harvest thing is the excuse that he gives with winter coming um and we do know that the starks take their uh responsibility to the rest of the north very seriously unlike some liege lords the starks <laughs> traditionally have taken very good care of their people yeah. um so i'll give them the benefit of the doubt of that but i do get what you're saying that two years seems like a long time so. well i wouldn't yeah you're right i might not normally hold it against them but cregan and jace seemed like bros based on what we were reading right yeah they seem to really get along and so it's, it's just yep. a little surprising um, so Cregan shows up and he's in control like immediately. <laughs> the lads, who, who told you the war was done? Yeah, the lads stammer and shudder, and they're they're boys again around him. Uh-huh. They're like little children looking up to him. Uh, so he cows them easily and quickly. He also challenges the council who are suggesting peace, like we just said. He wants to take his wolf on a war tour of Westeros, his wolf pack, right? Mm-hmm. They want to start at war Storm's End, they want to hit Old Town, Cashley Rock, they want to make them all pay for their insurrection against Rhaenyra. And yep. so, taking so the fight to all of them. They do bring up, so the small count, the, the council brings up several like reasons not to. <laughs> and he's got just some brilliant quotes that I want to read. Cregan is an interesting guy. I'm not really even sure I like him. But he, uh, he's got some great one-liners. He's extremely quotable. Yes. We'll give him that. To the risk of his own men, he says, They died the day we marched, boy. Mm-hmm. They marched for glory and a worthy end. To the talk of lords who rebelled and are dead, let it go, he says, Small boys become large men in time. And a babe sucks down his mother's hate with his mother's milk. Finish these foes now, or those of us not in our graves in twenty years will rue our folly when those babes strap on their father's swords and come seeking after vengeance. When Corliss doesn't agree, he just has him taken to the dungeons. Oh boy. <laughs> Along with anyone else, like Laris, that disagreed. They're just he just gets rid of them. Like, no, nah, I'm not gonna listen to that. Then he convinces the lads that they should join up too. And but with, with this language here. Are you babes in swaddling clothes to be cousined by flowers and feasts and soft words? Wow. No, they're babes that will be cousined by words from a guy who's just like four years older than they are. <laughs> yes. So within. But he's got a beard. He's got facial hair. Yeah. 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 He, he looks impressive. Uh, yeah. So, uh, basically the city was his to do with what he wished. I mean, he, he, he conquered it kind of, Mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, his, you know, his wolves are, uh, 
you know, about the town causing a ruckus. Nobody likes them. They don't understand <laughs> their gods. They're causing problems. It's not great. Um, so, basically in a matter of days, Cregan has managed to remove any sense of hope from the city to replace it with dread and scary horror stories about what atrocities the Northman had planned for their city. A new shepherd arises, right, mimicking the old one. Men begin sharpening their swords yet again for a conflict no one wants. So all the while, Cregan's trying to find Aegon's murderers, right? Insistent that the city is a nest of vipers, he tells Aegon. Now, but wait, wasn't he fighting against Aegon, <laughs> yeah. Scott? Yes. So it's, I don't even know whether it's, it's so odd. <laughs> He's bent on destruction and war for anyone who supported Aegon. Aegon, yeah. But he's adamant that they find his killer. Uh -huh. Must be done and punished. And I don't know whether to respect it or just rub my rub my head and be like, move on, man. <laughs> I feel like he's I feel like he just needs like some sort of um I'll just say it, release, Matt. Yeah, just uh well, I'll say it too. Just like go, just like rub one out. Maybe, yeah, maybe, uh, or maybe you know, like Joffrey, maybe he just gets off on violence or something. But um, do you need to like cut some heads off or yeah. something? Yeah. Do you need to? Do you need to go have a day where you just kill people? Maybe we should later? call it a head day where he gets to cut off some Ooh, heads Matt. and he gets to, <laughs> you know. I know. I know. Um. <laughs> So it's like a spa day for the rest of us. <laughs> you know, I don't know happy what happens endings, at your spa days, stuff. Matt. But uh... well, yeah, the you know happy endings. Sure, I mean I don't, mm -hmm. but sure. Me neither. Yeah, so I've heard. Right. Yes. Mm. Uh, so he gives advice to Aegon. Uh, I already mentioned the, the the line about the city being a, a nest of vipers. Um, he says that false friends are no friends at all. And can be the worst of enemies. Mm hmm. Yeah, he counsels that they will kill you, referring to people like uh, Corliss, Orwile, Perkin the Flea. Laris They'll for kill sure. you or use you as a puppet. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But he may not be facing much resistance in the city from the men that were in charge. But he may find that he has a different sort of resistance from the women oh. in his party. Hmm. 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 <laughs> that's, 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 that's it. That's what we call a transition to your part. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I got a question for you real sure. quick. Yeah. What would have happened, do you think, if Cregan had just not come? Do you think... Like with the lads there and Corliss and Laris, do you think they could have stabilized and provided that continual, perpetual stability uh, without Cregan coming and cleaning house? Maybe this question's better for after the out the whole hour of the wolf discussion. But I mean, I'll answer it now. We can discuss it later if you want. Yes, I think they'd have been fine without him. Uh huh. Yeah. Because they had Corliss, and uh, Cor Corliss is capable of anything. Uh, and I think he would have done just fine. 
And I think the attitude was there, right? Like you mentioned the euphoria and everything that people were just ready for this to be over. Yes, I think so. And, and, and it's, it's, well, I mean, we'll see in the next section, but it, it's borne out by the responses that start coming in, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Yeah, it does. But then I wonder if maybe hitting, removing some of those heavy hitter conspirators was a bit of a palate cleanser or something. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Cregan um, says things, I don't remember whether it's in this section or the next, but Cregan says things like, look, I think it was in the, that section. I just kind of skimmed over it a little bit. Um, you know, any day now, they could come back with a hired army from, you know, from Essos. Right. Any day, somebody could rise up and decide that, you know, that, you know, they're charismatic enough to make a go of this. Like, it doesn't take much, like, to continue this. And so put it down while you can put it down. But uh-huh. but it's called reading the room, you know? <laughs> and, like, everyone's done, man. Everyone's done. They've had too much. Like, no one's rising up. Yeah, it's when you go to an elementary school graduation and they still, the principal still wants to give a 20-minute speech Oof. after the 45-minute program that had preceded it. I hope he got Just fired. For- read the room people we're done okay uh let's do a little quote to open up this next kind of section of discussion which i'm calling the judgment of the wolf on one point lord cregan remained adamant the king's killers must not go unpunished unworthy as Aegon the second might have been his murder was high treason and those responsible must answer for it Mm-hmm. So, as as Skad just mentioned in our little non sequitur, the uh, the 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 responses to the peace offerings that Corliss had sent out earlier have started pouring in, mm-hmm. and they're all uh, positive. Casterly Rock, you've got Joanna Lannister who's running the ship over there. She accepts basically all the terms and all that she asks. Uh, in return is basically help against the raiding Ironborn. Storm's End, Elenda Baratheon, widow of, um, gosh, I forgot his name now, Scad, Boros. Boros. Mm-hmm. Uh, widow of Boros, recently killed by in, in that battle with the Riverlanders. She's got a brand new son, an infant boy, who is basically the future of House Baratheon. She's only got daughters other than... than uh, than this new little guy. Please, sir, um, may I have some more? <laughs> exactly. Uh, and she doesn't want anything to happen to him. She's tired of fighting. She accepts terms. Um, over in old, old Town, you've got Lionel Hightower. And uh, in in the awful, tricky little mink story about Lionel going after his... What did say? His stepmom? Stepmom. Yep. Yeah. His stepmom's pretty young. She's only like two years older than he is. Yes. Uh, but uh, his his father, of course, you know from past episodes, had died, leaving Samantha, his stepmom, a widow. Yeah. And uh, Lord Lionel's basically like, he answers with a letter that basically says, "You are so lucky. I want to get laid instead." Fine. <laughs> That's basically Peace. what it comes down to. Fine. That's basically what it comes down to. She rebuffs all his advances. Until she, I says, well. You want some of this? You gotta do some of that. Yeah. And that is uh, accept peace, accept terms, which he wasn't going to do initially, but yeah. 
It's when, a, uh, as Andy Dwyer says on Parks and Rec, when you're, he's thinking with the head of his penis rather than the head of his brain. <laughs> <laughs> I think is what he says. Uh, Aowen watched the Cones of Dunshire episode the other night. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it is one of the best. It's the Cones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, this, this, is, this is interesting. This is like... Uh, the anti-Thailand Lannister move from when Aegon took the throne, when he sent mm-hmm. all the gold away. Mm-hmm. Corlys, before Cregan arrives, did Cregan a great favor by sending all these letters of forgiveness to uh, save Cregan from himself in this disastrous war campaign that he was going to go after. And, oh my gosh, Rhaenyra and Aegon II, it freaking worked. Yeah. So, in addition to agreeing to peace... Um, Casterly Rock and Old Town returns the gold that had originally been shipped out of King's Landing to their to their holdings. Uh, so that's coming back, yeah. which King's Landing desperately needs, in addition to hostages and other things like that. So um, these, these three women, Joanna Lannister, Alenda Baratheon, and uh, Samantha Hightower— Lady Sam, as she's called, are kind of referred to as the three widows, and they might come up later, um, but ended up being fairly influential in kind of these the the politics following the war. Um, in addition, as we're, while we're talking about ladies, we've got Reyna um, Targaryen and her twin sister Bela Targaryen are also back in the city. So, yeah. and they become kind of the bells of the king's landing ball uh, balls that aren't happening actually yeah uh but uh the city quickly becomes enamored with these two kind of sprightly twins but um meanwhile you've got cregan alone in his principles stark who still wants to just keep fighting um that thing you did matt again I love that movie so much. <laughs> I put a note here for Napoleon Dynamite. I just put Napoleon Dynamite next to that, and I don't know why now. Continuing the fighting? Alonis Principles. I don't remember what it was now. Darn it. It was probably really good, and I was like, I'll totally remember if I just put this note of Napoleon Dynamite. But there it is. <laughs> I have no um, idea what you're talking about. It's been I have no idea at least 20 either. years since I saw that movie. Right? Uh, uh, long time. Has it been around for? You know what? Years? I don't know. Long time. I remember. I remember what it is, and it's oh, nothing to do with like it's. It's more meta. It's not the actual movie itself. Um, you kind of brought it up already, so this would just be kind of beating a dead point. That Cregan wants to keep fighting, but everyone else is just done. Like you said, he's failing to read the room. And I remember it was kind of like um, the Napoleon dynamite phenomenon of all those years ago that you mentioned, uh, it came out. I may have mentioned this to you before while I was living in Brazil, serving a mission for my church. And so I didn't see it, uh, when it was at kind of its height here in the United States, Brazil, it wasn't really a thing in Brazil, as you can imagine. So, Everyone was loving it here. Is at its height of its fame and everything. It's kind of this cult classic film. And I totally missed it, right? I come home two years later and I watch Napoleon Dynamite for the first time and I love it. 
And all I want to do is talk to everybody about it. And I'm like <laughs> quoting it and stuff. I got the shirt that says vote for Pedro and stuff. And, uh, but no one wanted to talk about it because it was so long gone. And that was the point I was going to make is that Cregan, he's ready for a fight. He's ready to do this thing, but he's alone in his prince. No one else is down with it. Um, let's I mean, see. I, I, I find people still quote that movie. Yeah. It's kind of, you got to give it time, right? Yeah. Maybe it was yeah, maybe it rides it was in the that way before it rode the wave back up. Maybe. Yeah. Then everyone's sick of it for a while. Just let it lie. And then it starts to slowly make its comeback. Man, that guy had a weird career. Like he kind of made he... it work for a little while and then kind of like, you know, he was that like was nothing. in blades of glory yeah. with, with, uh, Will, Will Ferrell. Ferrell. I mean, he made it Let's big, see. and then like kind of. He did a baseball movie too yeah, with David Spade. I'd say that was the downslide. <laughs> That's when things were about done. And was right? it David Spade and uh, what's it, the um... Snyder? Snyder, Rob Schneider. Yeah. Schneider. Schneider. Yes. Schneider. 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 Yeah. yeah so talk about riding a wave. Yep. Uh, anyways, <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um, you know, but everyone's done. Valerian's arguing all major lords are dead. Scott, you already brought all this stuff up. Uh, others, you know, his whole thing is others started this war, but he meant to finish it. But the dance was done. The others all agreed. It was time to make peace and set the realm to rights. Okay, so Cregan kind of, I think he kind of gets the picture. I don't know that he's happy about it. But he, you know, with these, with with the, especially these three major houses accepting peace offerings, he kind of lets go his plans to to go on the wolf pack tour that Scott mentioned earlier. Uh, but he is not, repeat, not letting this thing about Aegon II yeah. being murdered go. He's got, he's, he's, all, he's got to like, fine, fine, ugh, just uh, fine, but I'm still going to execute people. But I'm still gonna get some head. Uh, yes, I said that. <laughs> yeah, he did. But in order to pass judgment, Cregan Stark just can't come in and, as a lord, sentence other lords to death. He's got to hold a position of power. So specifically, he needs to be made the king's hand, which he is made. And it's really interesting, Scott, because in the text, it basically just says Cregan needed to be made hand in order to pass judgment. And then the next sentence is literally this. This was done. <laughs> yeah. like, that's it. <laughs> There's no talk of like debating of no. like, it... guys, we could we could like we don't have to let him do this. You know, we could stand up. To... No, it it's almost, nothing like that. It almost feels like. They really are thinking like, maybe he'll just let the war go if we let him do this. We gotta let him do something. Exactly he's not—he's too proud to just go home and do nothing. So we gotta <laughs> give him something. Just, just give him this, and then he'll leave, yeah. and things can go back to normal. Yeah, yeah. So he's made hand, and you know, to his credit, he—he uh, he at least puts on the appearance of. I'm just going to do this temporarily. You know, he doesn't actually even sit on the Iron Throne. He sits on a wooden bench at the foot of the throne. Uh, but Hands he aren't does... supposed to sit the throne, are they? I remember Eddard does yeah, in Game right. of Thrones. Ed, yeah, Eddard did, didn't he? So, yeah. uh, but he does, and or he doesn't. and uh, But he still 
he still goes for the jugular. Um, let's see. So let's go through what ends up happening to some of our favorite characters uh, yeah. or what kind of judgment is passed, right? Eustace is pardoned. Um, that's the the Septon. Honestly, this dude's been pretty lucky throughout. Yeah, he's like skated he's, through. I mean, he's been in the city the whole time and just mm-hmm. kind of like supported everybody that came through. And they're just like, oh, yeah, religion. Cool. Yeah, you're all right. <laughs> right? And they just kind of like let him do his thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. He's pardoned. No evidence of any wrongdoing. However, uh, Grand Maester Orwile sentenced to death. You gave the poison, uh, even though Orwile claims he didn't know what it would be used for. Too bad. Don't care. Uh, Giles Belgrave, who is the um, the member of the Kingsguard, Lord Commander, I believe, who was on duty uh, at the time that Aegon died and actually found him. Yeah, he was the one escorting. He was the last one to see him. He was escorting him in the in the litter, right? Litter, yeah. There were three more Kingsguard present with Belgrave. You were with the king. You're getting the axe too. Then he sentences, does 22, 22. Let me say that one more time. 22 other people to death. Let's read off who some of these people were. Uh, the litter bearers. Yeah. who were carrying Aegon's litter when he died. If they carried that thing faster, Matt, they might have arrived before the poison took hold. Before he died. I think died, it's legitimate. It yeah. Right. You're true. You're you're absolutely right, Scott. Yep, they deserve to die. Um, the, the King's Herald. You're dead, too. I don't know why. Uh, the Keeper of the Wine Cellar. You remember Aegon drank poisoned wine. You're gone. Clearly, he should know every time somebody puts anything into wine that he's already gotten rid of. His wine. Yep. 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 The cask is already gone from the cellar, but guilty. Uh, The serving man, the king's serving man. That one's obvious. I don't even need to explain that one. Right. You gave him the cup with the poison in it. Doesn't matter if he was in there or not. Yep. You're gone. Um, Yeah. All these guys, and a few other people as well. Um, different people. Guards that slew Lady Allison's men? Yep. That's Goners. weird. What does that have to do yep. with the murder of the... What? I mean, I guess just for murder, but what does that have to do with, like, conspiracy to kill the king? Exactly. They were part of the whole big conspiracy. Yeah. Yep. Now, in, in kind of a... In kind of a fun moment, um, he was going to sentence to death the men who freed Bela Targaryen, kind yes. of as part of this whole plot. They were sent by Laris to free her and kind of um, whisk her away to, to safety. And she drew a sword to defend those men who had freed her. And uh, it says, in a rare moment, Cregan actually smiled and said, uh, well, if you love him that much, you can keep him. Uh, he said something about calling them dogs or something. I don't remember, but I didn't write yeah, it down. Yeah, I mean, Cregan's pretty easy to read. If you show mm-hmm. strength, he likes you. Huh. Kermit Tully. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Anyways, uh, so basically the only guys who are getting off right now are Eustace and the guys who freed Bela Targaryen. Um, some bigger names. Perkin the Flea. Yeah. You're a goner. Laris the Clubfoot, obviously. You're a goner. And uh, Corliss Valerion, our man with a plan, sentenced to death. Uh, I love what he says. 
Valerian, in response to receiving this sentence, he says, what I did, I did for the good of the realm. I would do the same again. The madness had to end. Man, sounds like Varys a little bit, doesn't it? Sure does. The good of the sounds realm. Like... The good of the realm. <laughs> the good of the realm. I don't know why Last I think he thinks like that. I'd do it again. Yep. Doesn't sound like Varys at all. Mm-hmm. Perkin the Fleas was a little funny. Perkin the Flea was accused, and he says, I've been forgiven oh, for all line. of these things. Mm-hmm. And Cregan says, not by me. Not by me. <laughs> uh, uh, so he gone. Uh, so, uh, and then you've got Laris, who, interestingly enough, is kind of resigned to his fate. He says, when was a wolf ever moved by words? And he doesn't even try to fight the sentence or make any sort of appeal or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, He's resigned. So it goes to lengths to mention that no one jumped to like Laris's defense. Yep. But Valerian, Corliss Valerian, on the other hand, his sentence caused an uproar. Um, everyone is standing up for Corliss Valerian, in my mind, as they should. This guy has done so much to to help kind of finally end this thing. And just a good dude. I, I'm a big fan of Corliss Valerian. Um, and it ends up that uh, Bela and Reyna Targaryen, who are actually Corliss's granddaughters, right, come to uh, the king, King Aegon. Remember, he's still around. It's not just Cregan. Aegon II is still there, all of 10 years old. And they actually convince Aegon to pardon Corlys, and not only pardon him, but restore him to all of his uh, honors and offices that he held in the realm. And there's just one problem, though. He's 10? He's 10, and he has not been officially crowned yet as king, and his word holds no authority. So Cregan, as hand of the king, uh, and acting kind of as as regent for now, he could have ignored these decrees, but he doesn't. He allows it to stand. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's it's those kinds of things that make you like him, right? Like... Right. Even even to some degree, the fact that he's going to all this trouble for the trial when he was fighting against the guy, it's it's some level of principle, right? The king could have not made me hand. He did. The king now wants this other thing, and he has reasons. Okay, I'll let I'll let that stand. Uh huh. Right? Do you it's, think he? It's just kind of some. I don't know. It's just a good values, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it feels good yeah feels good i wonder if he was kind of impressed by the words of valerian who you know telling him what i did i did for the good of the realm i'd do it again perhaps yeah mighty perhaps. mighty boss tellings last hurrah not i do it again um but mushroom our dear friend mushroom he's still alive he Knock made it through wood. safely as well another mighty mighty boss tone song <laughs> I've actually got a lot of boss tones going in this one. We'll see if we get to some of the other boss tone stuff. Sorry. Our listeners are so lucky. Yep. Hey, man. Ska ruled. Ska was something that should have never seen the light of day. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Sorry, man. It's not a musical <laughs> style I ever really got into. Oh, that's too bad. I love Ska. 
where were we? Oh, yeah, Corliss. So Cregan upholds um, Aegon's pardon or doesn't do anything to fight against it or ignore it or whatever. Mushroom puts forth that the actual reason Cregan honored Aegon here is because of a young lady. Mm. Hmm. So Allison nothing to do Blackwood. with values. Nope. Mm. Nope. Black Alley conceived, as Mushroom puts it, conceived a liking for Cregan. And Cregan, for his part, actually was kind of turned on by her fearlessness, her stubborn strength, her body tongue. Yeah, Mushroom mentions she was no, what does it say? She was no queen of love and beauty. Yes. But uh, she kind of had that spunk. That's it's in attractive. the eye of the beholder. No? And I'm not talking right. about the D&D monster. Oh, is there a monster called the beholder? <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. It's just got nerdy. We'll, uh, oh, boy. Let's just move on. Matt's ignorance is showing. <laughs> Never even heard of the beholder, man. It's on the cover of the monster manual. <laughs> And she comes to – anyways, Black Alley comes to Cregan and begs that he he spare Corliss Valerion for the realm. And Cregan's like, no. And she goes, okay, for the honor of our prince, for Aegon II. He's like, no. For peace then? No. And then her final offer, for me then. Ooh. Uh, Saucy. Uh, and uh, he starts thinking. And then, it's, man, Cregan, he's like, so one of the next things he said is, what if, what if I, she's like, anything you ask of me, I'll give it to you. And so what does he say? Right out with it, man. Just comes out. Don't fuck what around. If I, what if I ask for your maidenhood? <laughs> she's like, oh. She, she's she's totally feeding into this, though. Uh, anyways, it goes back and forth for a little bit until he delivers this beautiful line. I even tweeted about it. I think we did it. We did a little Twitter poll on it where he says, all I ask is all of you forever. Isn't that lovely? It sounds like a John Legend song or something. <sighs> all of me wants all of you. It, it really depends. To me because that line is creepy as fuck <laughs> that's what i did the tweet on right I know. it was it and was a poll of it was is it sweet or slow down or crazy oh yeah that one slow slow down. Down. yeah <laughs> and yeah. you know she digs him so like you know it, it's without seeing the scene like maybe this is exactly what she wanted right yeah. maybe they're totally vibing on each other this whole conversation right it feels that way a little bit it's you know he asks for her hand for her maidenhead I don't have it. I gave it to my horse. That horse is better than most husbands. Ha ha ha. You know, he's not like a jokey kind of guy, but it feels like maybe they're vibing off of each other quite a bit in this conversation. And mm -hmm. so, you know, maybe, maybe it fits, but it feels yeah. kind of yikes. I mean, for, for one thing, you can't be like, give me your maiden head. And they'd be like, all I want is all of you forever. Like you can't Ever. go give me your maiden head to something sweet in that quick a time. I think, and have it be, uh, you know, super romantic. Authentic. Yeah. yeah. Romantic. Give me your maidenhead, I... man. 
I imagined it in a I, I tried to look at it from a different perspective. What if it was one of those scenes? Like here it just seems like they're like talking back and forth. What if it was like one of those scenes like in Mr. and Mrs. Smith where they're like making out and fighting at the same time? And I imagined movie, it being like this big old make out scene between Cregan and Allie where they're like going back and forth as they're making out. That'd be kinda hot, right? I mean I think it would be. You got a good imagination, Matt. Yeah. Give me your maidenhead. <laughs> so creepy. Just saying that, <laughs> there's no good way to say it. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's awful. As Alkaline Trio says, every thug needs a lady. Every thug needs a lady. And uh, Cregan found his. But... So they're in love. <sighs> they are. And you know what? Good for them. Good for them. They do end up getting married. Um, we don't really talk about it too much later in the episode. It kind of just briefly, right? Is yeah, it they, mentioned later? They just mention it later that uh, some people from the Riverlands go north and they have a wedding and they do it in front mm-hmm. of the God's Wood and stuff. They don't they don't talk about yeah. it too much. Yeah, just to give some spoiler alert info, they they do end up getting married, but um, it's not all of her forever. They have four kids, all girls, uh, and we don't have a ton of information about how or exactly when, but the, uh, the wiki and the world of ice and fire puts black alley's death at about one thirty six AC, which would be just like three or four years after this happening. Wow. Um, it's four years. Cregan Cregan does end up remarrying, uh, a Linara Stark. Who's like a cousin. Yeah. They end up having five kids together, and that's how the line actually continues down to eventually Eddard. So, um, but this this union, besides the obvious attraction that these two had for each other, ended up being um, kind of politically valuable too, right? It yeah, kind yeah, of helped. Sure. I don't know if distract is the right word. Um, Cregan from his violent go on a rampage ways, but it did kind of help. No, I I think I think distract time is, and... yeah, I think distract is a great word for it. And I don't know if that's what Allie was intending, but you know, it, it it says right in the beginning of this section that they're here to make war, you know. And Cregan was for sure he's the Lord, right? He's for sure planning to go back. A lot of his men aren't planning to go back at all. They're planning to die or stay here or you know make their fortune or something. Um, but you know, he came down here to do something. He didn't have anything going for him, right? And mm-hmm. he found, you know, he found love. That's something to go yeah. go for, right? So, And that's what's great about this is it wasn't purely political on Allie's part, or at least it doesn't seem to be, is no. that she honestly was attracted to him as well and ended up working out. But Yeah. 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 Anyways, we're spending a long time on this, and I apologize. No, it's okay. Uh, let's see. Ah, so I mentioned that it's a song called Every Thug Needs a Lady by a band called Alkaline Trio. And I thought of that song, and I went and looked at the lyrics, and there's actually like a perfect lyric for, for Cregan and Allie once Ooh. they get up north and get married. It says, you know it starts here, outside waiting in the cold. Kiss me once in the snow. I swear it never gets old. And I promise you I can make it warmer next year. 
Wow. That kind of sweet. That's intense. Yeah. It's like totally creaking and black That's, alley. Yeah, it fits really well. Huh. That's awesome. Anyways, like we talked about. It. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I'm going to write them and see if this was about Creek and Start. <laughs> Actually, this was that song would have come out before this. So maybe George is an Alkaline Trio fan. Ooh. Flipped it. Flipped so, it you know, Coralis is pardoned, but uh, not everyone else. And the day of execution arrives. So judgment has been passed, and uh, Cregan's got quite the day ahead of him. Mm -hmm. um, he's going to be removing the heads, because as is Stark custom, he who delivers the sentence should swing the sword. Did I get that right, more or less? Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Um, he's going to execute every single one of these people. Uh, they're at King's Landing uh, in front of King Aegon, young King Aegon, and, and the whole court. Um, he's ready to do this. But Perkin the Flea is first up. And what does wily old Perkin the Flea do? He asks to go to the Night's Watch instead. He takes the black. Now, a southern lord may have ignored this. But for someone like Edda or Cregan Stark, who knows about the importance and has great respect for the Night's Watch, he honors that request. And Perkins is taken away with head intact to be and, taken up to the wall. And with that, I have my, well, my first word of the day for today. Ooh. We got You've got two? We've got a tandem word of the day. They're semi-related. Nice. Word of the day! Yeah. Creeheading. Allowing okay. the condemned to replenish the forces of your allies, whose strength and role no one else seems to value, rather than face the axe. Creeheading. Creeheading. Word of the day. Uh, so he creeheads, Perkin the flea, um, but his creeheading is not done because everybody's like, "Wow, what a wonderful idea!" Yeah, and uh, almost. Everybody whose head is on the chopping block that day uh, I am Spartacus. I thought of the same thing, Spartacus. <laughs> I am Spartacus. I take the black. I take the black. And they, they all do, and he honors it. So he creeheads a whole bunch of dudes. Every single one of them is going to take the black. There's only two, count them two, men who uh, are not creeheaded. They are beheaded. One is Belgrave, that Kingsguard's knight, Kingsguard knight. He he ends up agreeing with what Cregan said to him on the Day of Judgment, and he says a knight of the Kingsguard should not outlive his king. And uh, he takes his he takes his execution like a man and has his head removed. I call Laris that guy the, the anti-Jamie. <laughs> yeah, I said it. Yep, yep, yep. Um, does that make him smarter than Jamie? I don't know. But he's a man of principle, and he he's a goner now. Laris the Clubfoot also isn't going to fight it, isn't going to take in the black. He says, I'll be going to a warmer hell, if it please you. The this only surprise he has to me. Go ahead. Well, Tom, sorry. Laris is all sorts of weird stuff. But yeah, just to finish it up, um, then let's talk about him a little bit. His only request is that his club foot not be buried with him. 
He's walked around with it his whole life. Now he doesn't want it anymore. It's embarrassing. Left oh. foot. Yeah. Away with it. And, uh, you know, Cregan, to his credit, honors that. And he's not buried with the foot. But Laris Clubfoot takes his execution. And so on a day when 20-plus men were to be executed, there were only two. Giles, Giles or Giles Belgrave and Laris the Clubfoot. What were you going to say about Laris's puzzling, um, perhaps puzzling response here? Well, just, just the way you, you look at... If he didn't really like value his life and like want to like keep fighting for it, there were lots of opportunities for him to like kind of play a hand that would really strike a blow and end in his death, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead, I agree. he kind of squeaks by and kind of you know stays in the shadows and makes things work in his direction, and then you know you you think like, oh, he's got... very much seems like he's got an end game exactly, and his end game yeah. is just nah, go ahead. Right, which leads you to believe that either A, we were deceived and he didn't have an endgame at all, or, he or B, it. he accomplished that endgame. Yeah. But then the question, obviously, is what was it then? And that's really puzzling. But... And, and so you wonder about Varys, right? We've drawn, in the last episodes, we've drawn comparisons to Varys and Varys. And, mm-hmm. You know, like, is, is George telling us something in this text about where Varys will end up? And, you know, will he be... Will he succeed in his goal, or will he? Is he fighting toward a goal that's not fulfillable, or mm-hmm. you know what? Where, where will he land? Anyway, well, not, I don't yeah. have anything profound, but I don't either. A hero or a hooligan? Well, that part's never clear. There, I got another Boston's reference in. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, very puzzling. We talked a little bit about it last episode. I. I don't know what he was getting at. Was it revenge for how strong? Like, on who they both both parties wrong. But who was it? Yeah, both, both parties wronged how strong. So, and I guess both parties are pretty much wiped out. Yeah, there's only like four Targaryens left in Westeros right now, and they're all children. So, maybe I mean, he was like, maybe his okay, long game. Maybe he realized his long game couldn't be completed. Maybe what he realized was, maybe maybe his goal was to wipe the earth with Targaryen from uh, of Targaryens, and he realized mm-hmm. he wasn't going to be able to get to Aegon, and so he's just like, eh, fine. Get... He's like, eh, good he'll, enough. He'll do the family in himself. Eh, close enough. Yeah. yeah, this this kid's not going anywhere. He's a husk, yeah. uh, which is heartbreaking, actually, even just to say that. But, um. Kind of an odd little thing about he mentioned it's made mentioned in the book that this club foot of Laris's is later stolen and is rumored to be used by like sorcerers and stuff to cast weird spells and everything. And it got me thinking about uh, Melisandre's talk about glamours and stuff. And I went down a whole tinfoil path I to not come at any natural conclusion but uh, she talks about how the strongest glamours are built of such things, yeah. like a dead man's boots, a hank of hair, a bag of finger bones. You know, obvious reference to Davos there. But I wonder if uh, Laris the Clubfoot's foot was one of those somewhere? types of things and was being in use somewhere. They also talk about um, Joffrey's severed foot being 
uh, was stolen and not recovered as well. Joffrey uh, Targaryen, yeah. who died in the streets of King's Landing. Well, but, and also uh, Rhaenyra's left foot, right? Was oh, was the one thing left, left, right? Actually, I don't know whether it was her left foot or her right foot. One of her feet. But it was a foot. Was. So that's kind of an interesting thing, isn't it? That yeah. these feet are left behind. I wonder what that, there's something to that. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. I'm going to say it's nothing, but it feels, right. you know, it's a little weird. It's interesting that they'd bring it up. The only conclusion I could arrive at was, because how Strong's wiped out, like maybe Kyburn came across it and it's part of Robert Strong. Lara Strong, Robert Strong, but even then, like, it doesn't seem like there's any significance to that. It doesn't seem like it would matter. Yeah. Uh, but, anyways, I thought it was interesting. That's it is. It. Yeah. All right. So, after the executions, you'd think that maybe Cregan would pull a Palpatine and just kind of stay there. Everyone's scared to death of him, anyways. Uh, except Bela Targaryen, so he could have probably just stayed and kept running things and everyone would be so scared of him they wouldn't do anything. But no, he, the day after after the executions, he declares the snows are falling in the north and my place is at Winterfell, and he returns the handship. Um, there's just one problem. He's got to go home, but his men really couldn't go home. They were as we mentioned earlier in the cast, they came marching south as basically dead men. A severe winter was coming on up north, and the fewer the mouths to feed, the better. So many of these men had come south with no intention of ever going back. And if they had gone back, it could have actually been detrimental to their families because it's one more mouth they would have had to feed. So they can't go home. They're stuck down here. Black Alley hatches... A brilliant plan. There are bodies of soldiers all over the Riverlands, and no longer accompanying those bodies are the wives that these dead men used to have. And these wives are still very much alive, and they need they need a man round here, in oh. the words of Brad Paisley. Yikes. So uh you wanna go find yourself you wanna go find yourself some wives? Make yourself a new little life down here in uh, in the Riverlands. And over a thousand Northmen think that that's a good idea. And they go with Allie to the Riverlands. And they hold what are called widow fairs. Mm -hmm. Which... <laughs> it's speed dating. It's speed dating, basically. Yeah. And uh, a bunch of these dudes these northern soldiers end up finding widowed women in the riverlands and uh and and shack up with them marry yeah, they, them they get uh hundreds of weddings like three or four hundred i think they say weddings yeah. and then the ones that don't find wives they become sworn swords to houses people that need soldiers right. since all the soldiers yep. died and i wonder mm -hmm. too if it, if it ends up sowing some loyalty to the north in these lands you know Somebody telling totally. a story, you know, is like great great grandpa was a tall heart. They say, I'll support <laughs> this king, Rob. Sure. And it does say they. Oh, that's true, man. I wonder if it does. I was looking at the um, the the Stark family tree just as I was examining the whole Alley Blackwood thing and everything. And there's two other instances up until Catelyn when uh, actually only one other instance where. 
an, a Stark marries a, a, a Riverlander, which is a Blackwood. Um, we have another one where they marry a Royce and stuff, but for the most part, they kind of stay in the family or stay in the North. Both, uh, both, uh, both uh, with the, that Northern blood anyway, right? Worship the old gods. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned that uh, having all these Northerners down in the South leads to a bit of an old gods revival. Um, doesn't mention much about it, but it does say that it kind of brought the old gods back down into the, into the South again. Um, other men go off to start some free companies over in, uh, over in Essos, actually. We've got a new, uh, team or new group of mercenaries, sellswords, sellsword, what do they call those guys? Sellsword group? Um, yeah, sellswords. Army? Um. Free companies. Called free, yeah, the wolf pack, one's called. We never hear from them again, so I don't know how long they lasted. Yeah. Uh, and another one led by Oscar Tolley, Kermit Tolley's little brother, one of the lads, called the Stormbreakers. So. Yeah, the, the wiki don't... indicates that both are still operating, but mm. we don't hear about the Wolf Pack at all anywhere. Um, right. I, I think they're invented in Byron Blood. I don't. I don't. Th- yeah, I think it was just like George's like, oh, this will be fun. The Wolf Pack. Mm-hmm. Well, we got a bunch of. Northerners here to deal with. We'll do this. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's basically it. Um, points you wanted to discuss about this that we haven't already? Um, I mean, I, I've been kind of just interrupting you rudely and throwing them in where I wanted to. That's um, what I did on yeah. yours. I, I like doing it that way. I think yeah. it's working. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whether it is or isn't, you know. We'll We're going to do it. it. Yeah. yeah. We always do <laughs> Uh, no, I think, I think, I think we covered it. I liked kind of, I tried to make some, some comparisons to like Eddard Stark and Cregan. Uh, I don't know that it means anything, but there are some interesting parallels. Both of them married Southerners, Mm. um, both kind of, I won't say occupied King's Landing, but kind of marched into King's Landing, arriving to a dead King. Um, Both both were hands of the King and... Yep, served his hand served, briefly. Yep, served briefly. Uh huh. Both kind of served as winter was coming. Um, yeah. You know, interesting. Cregan's son was named Brandon, one of Cregan's sons. There was a Rick, uh, there was a Rickon too, wasn't there? Yeah, Rickon was his first son with his first wife. Oh. Um, but yes, there was a Rickon. So that's another one, Rickon, and you've got a Brandon, but Brandon ended up having a bastard son with a lady named Wyla. Oh, wow. Interesting. <laughs> that's, one of, that's one of those red herrings. Right. You know what Brandon's favorite meal was? Red herring. Oh, scatty. Kill me every episode. Yeah. Something new. Uh, both kind of could have, kind of could have, both kind of could have let it lie but mm. chose justice slap instead. Yeah. Um, Edard could have just let it lie with the whole Stannis thing and yeah. the whole incest thing. Um, and Cregan could have let all this other stuff go as well. And both kind of left boy Kings on the throne mm. that had troubling regencies after him. 
one one of them a little bit more by choice than the other right yeah (laughs) but yeah i mean they're very different men but you're right there's some interesting similarities some interesting parallels right that i just thought it was fun to point those out yeah it's very interesting if there are more that you guys think of let us know indeed not that it matters uh or maybe it matters very much maybe it does yeah. So let's move on to our next section where yeah. we finished the chapter aftermath. And it's actually a very short chapter that we ended up spending oh, an over an hour yeah. discussing yeah. Um, because it was that much fun. It was that much fun. That was I love it might have been my favorite single chapter in the book so far. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. I just really loved seeing all of the different people at play, seeing yeah. how Cregan interacts with all the different people in the South and how all that plays out. It was a lot of fun. It's a we'll satisfying see. ending. But... We'll see how I feel going forward. I really remember liking reading the, the stuff about uh, how terrible Unwin Peak is. And uh, and I really like the Jaharis Alisan stuff too. But anyway, yeah. we'll see. We'll definitely get into the Peak stuff a little bit this episode, but more probably in the next, the next one. one yeah, Maybe the so. one after that. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so this next section I'm calling Under the Regents, which is also the name of the chapter. Um, and uh, just a quick quote for this one. By the end of 131 AC, a gray calm had settled over King's Landing and the Crownlands. That's it. Yeah, it had. <clears throat> it had. Uh, so it's time. It's time for that wedding. It's time to get mm-hmm. this get this king hitched. Uh, you know, just marry his cousin. Am I? Oh, I'm probably playing into that stereotype of the accent too much. He's uh, ten, she's eight. Yeah, I actually didn't mean to do that. Sorry, guys. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, sometimes these accents they just fly out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so the wedding, guys. The people of Westeros love celebrating the nuptials of their future oppressors. They need something to celebrate too. <laughs> they really do. Mm-hmm. And a couple of preteens are no exception. Uh, you throw in a coronation of, of Aegon III, and it's two for the oh, price of one event, right? It's a party. It's like a double feature drive-in. <laughs> you kids know what drive-ins are? I bet some of our listeners don't even know what a drive-in is. Wow. Oh, you still got the one here. We you do? ever been to it? No. Dude, Eowyn hates anything after 9 p.m. It sucks. The drive-in sucks. Really? I hate it. Yeah, I don't like it at all. Oh. Well, that'll fine party you're not missing anything Mm -hmm. Uh all right anyway uh they come from everywhere joanna lannister comes uh with her dad if you know what i mean i just mean they arrive together at um loads of high towers led by their young lord lionel and his paramour lady sam uh the high septon comes separate from them because he disagrees with their lifestyle choices uh the entire baratheon clan alan valerion brought the fleet uh Manderlees, countless other lords they even come from essos too bravosi pentoshi valentines my mir mirrors tiroshi lyseni uh you guys this was the event of the summer season. islanders summer islanders even show up yep yep princes from the summer, summer islands uh it's the event of the season and seasons in westeros last a fuck ton of days so you know it was a big event mm-hmm. um here's one thing i'll say about this and it's laid out in the text, so it's not that original. But anyway, the longer you keep a bunch of different people with a history of treachery and violence in an overcrowded place, the more likely things are to blow up in your face, and not in a good way. So they keep it together long enough, though, 
to have <laughs> blow up in your face and not in a good is that, way. Is that too much? <laughs> I almost deleted it. I had it highlighted. <laughs> and I was, I hovered over the delete key. And I was like, you know what? Someone out there is going to love it. Um, and you found it. And I found the one. It was you. Yeah. <laughs> so you can delete it now. Um, they they managed to keep it together, though, uh, long enough to get the celebration on top of Visenya's Hill. Tens of thousands watched from, from pavilions and from the streets below. Uh, then Aegon was crowned right after at the Red Keep in a simple band of yellow gold. So there mm -hmm. you have it. New king, new queen, all set. Well, not exactly all set. They've got a lot to do. Got some things to do. Got some things to do. They got to mm -hmm. make some political appointments, yo. Kingsguard, right? Best part, yeah. So the first thing was to name the Kingsguard. Sir Willis Fell, you may remember him. He's the one that actually took Jahara uh, on the cover of darkness in secret uh, to King, uh, to uh, Storm's End, right? To protect her when Rhaenyra took the city. So uh, he's rewarded. Um, and, he's made, and made Lord, Lord Commander, Commander right? Yep. Yep. Sir Marston Waters joined him. He's another green uh, from the Green Party, but the rest were blacks. You got Baxter Black, Bryce Black, Rufus Black, Julio Black, John. You get it. I'm kidding. We don't get their names here exactly. Julio. <laughs> but, but I, <laughs> I looked it up. I tried to figure it out, and honestly. I mean, I bet I bet a better scholar can figure it out. I bet Aziz knows this or something. But um, Scott, it might just not have been written. Right. Well, Sir Regis Groves, I think, was one of them. Um, yeah, because they mentioned him later. He's mentioned later, and he's noted as a black, uh, I think, on the wiki. There's two more mentioned that could fit the bill, Sir Raynard Ruskin and Sir Joffrey Staunton. Uh, the Stauntons were blacks, for sure. Um uh, Joffrey's dad, or dad was it? I think was on the Black Council on Dragonstone, um, so he could have mm. been one of them. Nice pull. Um, yeah. But we don't we don't get all of them. Um, we don't even get we don't even get in the on the wiki. We don't even get the list of all of the Kingsguard that started. So we can't even just right. count them back. We get some that fulfilled in, filled in later with deaths and stuff. So anyway, right. that's my best guess. Is those are three of the five, and Julio and and Rufus probably thrown on the end. Um, so, Julio Black. <laughs> He's my new favorite Ice and Fire character. Uh, re the Regency. So they got to set up basically some people to help this kid out, right? He's yep. 10, and even worse than being 10, he's a husk, right? So um, Lady Jane Aaron, Lord Corliss Valerion, still kicking it after being forgiven, Lord mm -hmm. Roland Westerling, Lord Rice, Royce Karen. Lord Manfred Mouton, Sir Torin Manderley, and Grand Maester Munken. It's a pretty good lineup. It's a good lineup. You know what it is? It's every kingdom minus Dorne and yep. one other. Did you notice which other one's missing? Uh, I know. I'm pulling you, pulling this on you in the, in the thick of it. Vale. We've got Crownlands. We've got Westerlands. We've got, let's see, Stormlands. We've got Riverlands. Reach. The Reach. Yeah. So, um... It's interesting, you know. May, maybe the High Towers, you know, uh, who played a huge role in the war, right? Just kind of being like, you know, what? Stay out of this. 
right? Stay <laughs> well, out of this. Mm, that's interesting, Scott. Good job noticing that because I didn't even think about it. Uh, but we do have – they talk about how intractable and downright belligerent Alice and Hightower has become. Right. Uh, I don't exactly. know if you're going to talk about that later. Sorry if you were. Uh, I don't remember um, whether we get there or not. I, it's Yes, I do. I do. I see it in my notes here. She, she ends up not even coming to the wedding. Yes. Um, whether she was invited or just not invited or chose not to come. But she's, she's terrible. Yeah. And maybe they just want to – isolate her as much as they can <laughs> well and should also be remembered that you know the high towers are maybe the most powerful house in the reach but the tyrells run and run things and they sat the war out mm -hmm. they completely sat out and so it might just be kind of like you know what just you're not gonna help now you don't yeah. get rewarded for sitting out you don't get you know, to come like, in now yeah these other people were greens but at least they fucking tried you're mm -hmm. you're not getting rewarded for doing nothing switzerland <laughs> I love the Swiss. I didn't mean that. Um, so, anyway, so uh, Septon Eustace and Mushroom continue their feud of pens. Septon Eustace says, Six strong men and one wise woman, seven to rule us here on earth as the seven above rule all men from their heaven. And Mushroom That's just beautiful. says, Seven regions were six too many. <laughs> yeah, pity our poor king. And and mm -hmm. what what we find in the future, maybe Mushroom was right because we'll learn some yep. things here about yeah for sure Sir Tyland's role and, and kind of what goes on. So the small mm -hmm. council, uh, Sir Tyland, who must have some sort of PTSD after living through the dance in his in his own way, is made hand of the king. Um, this is a guy that's blind. He's been in prison a lot. He was a black. It was a green, pretty hardcore green now is serving you know the king from the blacks that lived and mm -hmm. becomes pretty dedicated to him uh and we've got leo and corbray named protector of the realm and uh he who passes loud gas according to mushroom yeah so tyland gets to work like right away rebuilding the kingdom. boy does he holy cow rebuilding <laughs> under the hood where all the good work happens am i right mm -hmm. yeah yeah this guy doesn't want to scare away the ladies at court, so he wears a hood over his head. And this is kind of creepy as fuck to me. Look, you were a Lannister. People don't need more reasons to mistrust you. I'm doing it for you guys. <laughs> doing it for you. Walking around in a hood. Ugh. Anyway, he's super effective. Uh, so effective that the regents start to think of themselves as unnecessary. And we'll get to that yep, in a little they bit. They defer to him. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, winter is here, though. It's time to get down to biz. Uh, Allison is basically trying to get Aegon killed. She keeps whispering <laughs> to Jahara, "Why don't you? Why don't you stab him? Why don't you?" It's an eight-year-old granddaughter. Yes, exactly. Eight years old. <laughs> just uh, you know, just slip this into his drink. Just uh, pillow. It's a good pillow. Yep. Yep. She's a bit nuts, kind of as Matt alluded to. They have her basically secluded in an apartment in Megor's Holdfast. Um, they abolish certain taxes from Rhaenyra and Celtigar. Right? They get rid of those things. Uh, you know, as Matt alluded to earlier, also he's getting the money back that they sent away. Uh, they sent three quarters of the treasury away to the Lannisters, to the High Towers, and to the Iron Bank, I think. Yep. Um, so they get that money back basically, uh, so they can you know they can ease up a bit on the taxes. Uh, they give loans out actually. This is yep. inspiring. They give loans out to lords that had destroyed holdings from the war, like some rebuilding oh, that money. That was really cool. Yeah. yeah, like our programs during the Great Depression. 
rake the leaves. Go distribute the leaves. Rake them up again. <laughs> yep. For those not in our country, our government paid people to do that during the Great Depression. Yeah, sweep the streets, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, granaries. Uh, he built three granaries of sufficient grain to fill them, presumably to keep his people from starving at winter. Good choice. It also kicked the economy into gear a little bit. Yep. He also... Yep, jobs. jobs. So he rebuilds rebuilding of King's Landing. He builds warships. More jobs. Wants to rebuild the dragon pits. 50 new war galleys. Fortified the gates of King's Landing, uh, you know, to defend against the Valerian fleet, maybe. Or <laughs> uh, not the gates, but the, the, the war galleys, more like. Yep. Um, you know, he's got reasons for doing this thing. And you know what? Really. They should have their own their own fleet, you know. They're they're right on a you know a bay. They need they need defend defense like that. Yep, I like that the the gates. They knowing what happened in King's Landing just a year ago, they built them to better withstand attacks from outside the gates and inside the gates. Yeah. So, but you know what? The, I I agree with you. But also, what does that say about like? The faith in the job you're going to do for your people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anything's going to happen. <laughs> I really don't. We better but... just plan the, the, we better just plan for insurrection. Because, yeah. let's face it, we're going to be dicks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway. It's a wheel, baby. It's a wheel. <laughs> there, are some, uh, there are some outside threats still, even with uh, most of the major houses coming in line and, and you know, wanting to be done with the war. Dalton Greyjoy, of course, of course. Greyjoy's going to Greyjoy. Um, he's just going to threaten whoever's in charge and take what he wants. <laughs> he's just, you oh know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, it almost just seems like he's just raiding places for fun. The same places over and over again. Yep. He has a pretty great quote, though. He says, The women of the West prefer men of iron to cowardly lions, it would seem, for they jump into the sea and plead with us to take them. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. And and this was puzzling to me that all maybe Thailand just has bigger things to worry about. Yeah. But also all he ever does is basically just like send letters telling them to stop. Yeah, I, I have a similar Dalton, note later. Please stop. Okay, we'll yeah. get to it. No, 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 it's fine. I think it's maybe in your section later. Yeah, please stop, don't. Yeah, uh, agreed. Don't, please. And it's like that's your sister-in-law, dude. Yeah. And not only that, but uh, what's what's his name? Westerling is uh, the guy on the Regency. It's his first name. I forget. Roland Westerling. Yep. That's her dad. Yeah. That's Joanna's dad. Yeah. It's, it's. I would think that they would be taking this much more seriously. It is. It is pretty. It is pretty strange. They're leaving Joanna out to dry. This lady, and we'll get to it later, ends up strapping on armor and basically going to battle herself yeah, at least symbolically paltro rescue mode yeah. yeah but anyways yeah uh so there's also war with the daughters uh that's the the triarchy across the the narrow sea there they've got recalio rendoon you might remember that name he <laughs> is again decided to take the stepstones for himself and make a four-way little war that uh that kills king's landing trade for a little while but Sir Tylan just stays out of it. It's probably a good choice. Mm -hmm. um, I like that. I could see him sending sending 
Alan and that fleet, but decides not to, I guess. Yeah. So now we get to the problem. Aegon and Jaehaerys. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, oh God, the people of King's Landing suck. It's less than a year in, right? <laughs> and they're freaking out, like ready to riot. We don't get to see the king and queen much anymore. Our hand is a sorcerer, too. Boo-hoo. What else are they going to talk about on Westeros Uh, Entertainment tonight? That's fair. That's fair. The message boards are dry. They don't have any new new content. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I guess a little bit in their defense, like, they're completely... These two, you know, new monarchs that they have are completely... Well, they're ineffective as people, and they're not really ruling yet. But they're just... They're not inspiring, right? We kind of covered it already. They had no joy in them. They're broken. No interest in anything. Aegon seems capable, right? Like, like when 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 people like measure him and talk to him and stuff, they're like, "Oh, he's smart. He doesn't have. He's not brain dead. He just doesn't right. have any interest in conversing about anything." Well, one of the oh, stories is like, so sad. he he was frequently found like looking at the stars, you know. So like a good little gift giver, I think it was Maester Munkin, mm-hmm. like gives him a book about a, astronomy, and he doesn't care. Like he doesn't. He's no no, no interest in it. And like, you know, he probably felt great about that. He's like, yes, finally, a window into his soul. What interests him? He likes to ponder the stars. Cool. Maybe he likes to think about the future or nothing. Right? Nope. Yep. Nothing. Yeah. Munkin says both of them are broken. These are not normal children. They have no joy in them. They neither laugh nor play. Yeah. And he says of Aegon, I say the boy is dead inside. How sad is that? Yeah. Very. And she, you know she's not much better. She's wetting the bed at eight. Her her own ladies say that she's eight going on four. Eight going on four, yeah. So um, you know they're not inspiring. So you know trouble maybe on the horizon. So there's a little a little bit there about Orwile too. Um, we didn't really <laughs> talk about it, but he was also one of the ones sentenced to die that agreed to take the black. But instead of going, he bribed somebody and slipped away. And, <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> yeah. He basically successfully hit himself at, mo- at Mother's, which is a brothel on the Street of Silk. And he's, yeah. you know, doing chores and stuff. and Giving checkups. Yep, concocting potions. Contraceptions. Yep, you know. contraception. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, brewing tansy tea and such. Um, and in a very politically motivated, seemingly, message, we get the following line. No one paid Will any mind until he took it upon himself to teach some of the mother's younger girls to read. A gold cloak thought it was strange and hauled him in for questioning. So, like, he can do... He can, like, make sure that gold cloak doesn't have an illegitimate child. Right? Right. But he can't teach a girl to read. It's terrible. Freaking kidding me? Mm -hmm. George? I mean... Anyway. So, So... He's 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 sentenced to death, um, but uh, well, I think we get I think we get to it later. What happened? Do we? Yeah, we can just cover it now, so it's covered. Well, so it's uh, it, it's my second my second word of the day. Oh, so Tyland Lannister, this guy gets brought in basically and found, and you know he's guilty of not only you know murder. Uh, but also desertion, right? Of the the Night's mm-hmm. Watch. I mean, he never took his vows, but basically, you know, he's kind of a deserter. 
so he's you know he's supposed to be killed you know um but instead <laughs> Thailand says well we don't have a king's justice so let's just we'll let him we'll put him up in this place and he'll wait until we're ready to kill him so here's my word of the day ticapitation so we had creeheading and ticapitation and ticapitation okay letting the condemned stay in a nice air-conditioned condo to finish their memoirs in peace rather than face the axe ticapitation word of the day yep so his tie was decapitated (laughs) and you know what (laughs) thank goodness he did thank goodness he did because if he didn't then we would be reliant on mushroom and eustace for this story and we wouldn't have it because they suck orwell was able to put much of his history down well in that not to say he wasn't biased right like he they say he Uh painted himself in a a very positive light but Mm -hmm. um okay so i i kind of hinted at it earlier the regents basically are like this thailand dude is doing a good job and they've got kind of good reasons for leaving but it feels to this reader like abandoning a situation that is not going to have a good outcome you got this you got you're you're doing this right and this king sucks and i don't really want to be here and so Lady Jane goes away to deal with uh, defending the Vale against wildlings from the Mountains of the Moon. And mm-hmm. Lord Karen has to deal with some Dornish incursions from their new ruler, Aleandra Martell. Mm-hmm. We don't get much about either of these conflicts, anything, really. Um, but, uh, you know, apparently they're infringing on borders and stuff, I guess. Yeah, serious enough, they gotta leave. Uh-huh. Did you ever think it's but... weird that they call them wildlings, the Mountains of the Moon, Matt? <sighs> I did, I noticed, but I don't know that I found it weird. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't I don't really have anything. It's just, it, it feels like nothing. It doesn't feel like anything. Well, it's different because the wildlings of the north are like beyond the wall, and they're like not part of the Seven Kingdoms. That's These why I think ones... they would give them a different name. Yeah, these ones are like they're geographically in the Seven Kingdoms. Yep. And it's like, I guess it would but be there's... they call them the Mountain Clans, which they we've do. also got Mountain Clans in the north, and they don't call those guys like the Flints and the Norries. They don't call them wildlings. Exactly why it's weird. Yeah. So why are these guys? Yeah, I can see that. Exactly why it's weird. I remember reading something a long time ago about, um, you know, the the people from the mountains of the moon. Maybe it's even in the World Book. I don't remember, but uh, about the the people in the mountains of the moon, those clans are descended from, you know, first men, and mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything there. Anyway, uh, ready for a ready for the big shoe to drop? Yeah, Corliss man, he dies oh, finally. Wow. Sixth day of the third moon of 132 AC, the regency dropped to four from the original seven when Corliss Valerion died climbing some steps in the red keep 79 years old uh i just wish he could have died at sea where he belonged instead of in a stairwell right but they did bury him there um so they buried him in in his the kind of semi-destroyed hull of the sea snake the birth that or the the boat that kind of helped him make his fortune and his fame right he was a man of valor and wisdom he saved the realm from pain and woe he seemed like truly one of the few good guys in this time of evil deeds. For sure. Yeah. 
Send him off to Thug's mansion, my friend. Just I don't know what be that at means. peace. All right. It's a Nas so, and Tupac song well, about dying and going to heaven, pretty much. Yeah. Well, we'll see Corliss at the crossroads. We uh, will. See you. He won't be long. <laughs> Still, though, uh, for all his good deeds, he wasn't perfect. Um, remember sure. Mouse and Adam and Alan? Mm-hmm. He does seem like he was a bit unfaithful to one of this reader's favorite uh, characters, Rainus. Uh, this resulted in Adam now departed after his loyalty and valor from at Tumbleton and Alan being born then legitimized. Mm-hmm. That legitimacy was challenged way back when with, with Viserys, uh, and he turned it down and even cut cut out some tongues. Uh, but they're challenging again now that Colas is dead. Um so basically, the best claim on, claimant, Vaymond Valerian, lost his head while rebelling. He was he was uh, he was Corliss's, Corliss's brother's nephew. son. Yeah, he was his, yeah. His, his eldest brother's son. Eldest, still younger than Corliss, but his eldest brother's son. Right. Um, but there were five other nephews of Corliss also that had claims. Oh my gosh! So yeah. Sarah's cut out tongues of like all of them. And two of those dudes with no tongue survived because they bashed on they bashed yeah. on uh, they his grandkids. They no yeah. well, Rhaenyra. They 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 questioned Rhaenyra's own legitimacy. Oh, okay. They were but well because think about what their claim is, right? They're they're claiming illegitimacy, and um, yeah. So so they're sorry. It wasn't Rhaenyra's legitimacy. I think it was Rhaenyra's kids' legitimacy. Right, right. So his grandkids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. The right. strong Sorry. boys. Yes, right? the strong, the strong children, or not, uh-huh. depending on what you believe. Um, so two of those dudes with no tongue survived the dance, and along with Vaemon's sons. So Vaemon was the best claimant, but he lost his head. Uh, Vaemon's sons, Damon and Darren, them and the the two dudes that survived with no tongues, they're now making a claim. Long story short, way too late. I'm sure nobody followed along that fa- that family tree, but. Some nephews of Corliss and some sons of nephews of Corliss want more stuff. Some pressed that claim and died for it. Damon, Damon, Damian, and Darren reconciled and got lands on Driftmark from Alan. They basically agree to like support him and be friends, and so they got lands. Take what you can get. These guys are like Sackville Bagginses. Yeah. Yep. Oh man, I can't wait. Uh, and thus. Alan, a boy of 16, was made Lord of Driftmark. Can you believe Alan Valerian is still yeah. only 16 friggin' years old? I know. He's been like reading on totally him forever. Like, he's like Benjakop Blackwood. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, he's young, but he's really experienced. Um, he's denied his father's seat on the Regency, though. He just walks up and he's like, hey, all right, I'm ready to take my dad's seat. Well, I'm here. <laughs> We're going to send you home. And that yeah. seat was instead given to... Dun, 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 Lord Unwin Peak, Lord of Starpike, Dustinbury, and White Grove. Remember him, the cowtrop asshole that couldn't unite an army with nothing in its way at Tumbleton? Mm-hmm. That's him, yep. so he's now on the council there. Yeah, good uh, spot for him. So the realm has that going for them, which is nice. Yeah, more on him later. More on him later. A lot likely. more on him later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, I do think it's funny that this Regency thing is like nothing now. It's Thailand. Well, I mean, we don't know, but he doesn't tell us anything that the Regency does. Anything. Yeah, he, and yet Thailand is doing everything. Doing... Well, I think he and should, technically, right? Thai... I... But technically, Thailand is reporting in to the Regency. But 
Yeah. He answers to them. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he does. Yeah, they got a good gig. So they got a good gig going. So they're basically just being Robert Baratheon. Basically, I like that. Like, even like it's a little thing, but later we'll get to Bela Targaryen's wedding. They ask Tyland to appeal to the High Septon to annul Bela's wedding, rather than them just doing it themselves. Mm. Of course, it's just it's just funny how they're just like, yeah, Tyland will do it. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of just cede all of their power to him. It's kind of weird. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Ready for um, some uh, winter fever? Some winter fever. The quote is this. If Aegon dies without an heir, we shall dance again, mm. however much we may mislike the music. Mm. So some questions of secession will come up again. Uh, in fact, it, it becomes quite a big question. They've already, they're already thinking about it, and you can't blame these guys for thinking about it. Even with Aegon only being 10 years old, we've just gone through this huge secession crisis that have cost the lives of thousands upon thousands of, of Westerosians. And what is going to happen if Aegon dies again? We shall dance again, Mouton says. He's the one that quoted, who said that. Um... So they start the you regency. That, first of all, uh, I don't know that I do. Yeah, I still think that there's enough people that are sick of it. Yeah, and I think they've set up a pretty good. Oh, I'd hope it'd be a pretty good set of checks and balances of blacks and greens and leadership positions and everything. But I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Well. I mean, it was a bit of a leading question. I don't know if I have an answer, but I, like, if if you were gonna, maybe maybe it's just a matter of time expiring, right? And and as time goes, then people become more willing. But mm-hmm. but to me, it's like, if there's a time, it's still now. The king is ten or eleven now, maybe or something, and right. And I hate to say it this way, but worthless, right? Like, if you're ever gonna get support for some new claim, like. Baratheon should rule or something like it's now right kids never seen like he's never seen he's not he's not gonna be a good you know a powerful ruler there's no loyal to him everyone no one likes Tylen Lannister despite all the good stuff he's doing right nobody yeah, yeah. nobody's in support of that uh, they're of all that freaked dude. out by him. Mm-hmm. you know Bela and Reyna maybe they're kind of the darlings of the city a little bit but yep. you know they're they're girls and the the council says no girls and so you got that going for you. So I don't know. I, I think seems like now is just a fine time if they were actually interested. Yeah, and maybe that interest level is what's lacking. Yeah. Everyone's still just yeah, just burned out. Yeah. Thank goodness they are because you laid it out very well. It would be a perfect time to, to rise up yeah. right now. Uh, things are still very tender in the kingdom, and uh, there's a lot of opportunity there. <clears throat> the Regency debates over uh, the secession, and like we mentioned before, dude, there's only four Targaryens around yeah. right now. Succession plan is, you know, it's thin. It's, it's shallow, yeah. if you will. Right. Or if you won't, <laughs> it is. Either way. It, it's yeah. And regardless of whether you want it to be or not, it is. 
Um, you know, Jahera, the queen, maybe has a better claim than Aegon, some claim. Um, it goes back to the whole thing with Viserys' kids, uh, or Jaehaerys' kids, of, you know, who's closer to the actual king. And Jahera is actually Aegon II's daughter. So maybe she has a better claim. Uh, no, she's not a queen, though. Yeah. Uh, eight going on four. There's just no way that she could be a ruling monarch. Uh, so Bela and Reyna Targaryen actually, you know, the twins, it says in here, the twins were the only Targaryens that the people ever saw. Uh, you had Reyna, Reyna, who is described as kind of queenly. She loved being at kind of the center of court life. She lived kind of a princess's life at the Vale. She was very pampered and treated like a princess and all of that. Um, and she she acted very queenly. Not only that, but Reyna has a dragon, the kind of the one remaining dragon that belongs to somebody who's still out there mourning. And mourning is, of course, still kind of an infant dragon, but a dragon nonetheless. And like Scad mentioned earlier, uh, all of a sudden people like seeing dragons again. Uh, Bela, on the other hand, is, she was born first before Reyna. They're twins, so just barely, but she technically is the firstborn. Um, but she's wild, man. She's a wild child, right? Yeah. Willful. Uh, she sought adventure in the streets. She would horse race. She's drinking, betting. Um, she was deliberately provocative. Uh, she mocked any suitors that came her way. Like, she, she would, like end up becoming enamored with these dudes who she just found and then she would like give them jobs at court and stuff like, yeah she's she, she's like an aggressive free spirit totally like totally i'm a free spirit and i'm militant about it uh-huh did i ever tell you about my favorite bumper sticker ever no it, it was called uh it said it just said militant agnostic i don't know <laughs> And then in bold letters, and neither do you. And neither do you. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, she kept her hair cut short so that uh, it wouldn't get in her way when she was riding. Just, she's a wild child. I like her. Um, so they had those two. But, but, as Grandmaster Munkin points out, got to have a male claimant. We can't have a female. Right? Yeah. Tylan's response to that is, and who is this male claimant, my lord? We seem to have killed them all. <laughs> Love it. Ew. Great line by Tylan. Um, so, you know, what do you do? Basically, they they don't really make a, a, a decision. What they do is they try to find uh, suitable husbands for Bela and Reyna, and then it kind of feels like they'll kind of decide from there. Is that kind of what you picked up? Yeah. Well, M Maester Munkin's like, after Tywin says, who's this male claimant? We seem to have killed them all. Maester Munkin's like, I don't know. Let me go research it. Yeah. And then as far as I can tell, he never comes up, comes back with an answer. And um, so it's like, well, let's just get these girls married and... And hope that they can get an heir going. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and maybe they'll yeah they'll sire a, a male heir, and then we can then their problem solved, right? Which you know, get that guy it. And... It it's just it's the height of. I know people hate when we when we go all feminism on these on these books, but like, it is the height of insulting mm-hmm. to be like your claim is no good. But we need your body to create someone whose claim is good. To create someone who has a claim. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? I'm right here. Right. And I'm capable. Bela has the fire, I think, to be a ruler. Um, yeah. Maybe they need know. to rein that in a little bit. Reyna seems very queenly and probably would, you know, together they probably would have made the perfect ruler. <laughs> yeah, it might have worked but, out. Uh, There's, uh, you know, the whole yin yang of twins that sometimes happens you might know right. more than most although your your twins yeah. are kind of similar no uh no they're pretty uh, darn different yeah they're pretty darn different in personality and interest mm-hmm. and everything uh yeah there's some similarity there my son is very like set in his ways and kind of doing his own thing he's quieter but also very stubborn and uh-huh. doesn't really care to be like hanging out with friends and stuff he's more interested in tinkering and uh-huh. figuring things out whereas my daughter's kind of a socialite and uh, uh-huh. very much so but so it is interesting to see how they complement each other yeah i mean if uh, Bela was your kid you'd be freaking out oh she's yeah out past all hours she's carousing she's you know playing strip poker she's doing all sorts of stuff right i'd have one foot in the grave yeah i mean you don't want her as your kid and you probably frankly don't want her as your ruler either so like i get why they're freaking out she's just she's a bit of a wild a wild wild pony a wild if you can point that energy in the right direction though focus it oh man seems like but so weird i just told you that uh we were watching parks and rec that comes to dunshire well we watched i think an episode past that where it's it's her last day in office uh, on the, on the council, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and on the last day of office, one of the other councilmen announces yet another sex scandal. Right. And so Dexart. Th- Dexart. Right. So she's thinking about running again, and and she's just talking to the you'll remember her name the reporter I always forget her name, um, the dark haired reporter Tweed uh, t- Tweet Tweet. So, oh, uh, Shauna Malway Tweet. Yes, Shauna Malway Tweet. So she's talking to her, and they're just talking in the hallway, and he walks by, and he makes some lewd comment, and she just smiles at him like with these doe eyes. And she's like, what, really? Uh-huh. And, you know, and she says, I th- what, I think I can change him. I think I, I, think can, I can change, change him. him. Yep. You can't change, ba- you can't redirect this energy. You're probably right. You're probably right. But, Not without her feeling like she... Well, that would be her Feeling a desire to, yeah. That's not without her. Different. Yeah, you would need to have her. You, you're 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 absolutely right. You're not going to control her or force her. You got to turn come to these kind of things on their own terms. She she has to have a reason, yeah. right? Yep. Right. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. So, a quick a quick note from the text. One of the things that she finds and brings home is a conjurer of cheap tricks. Did you see that? Conjurer of cheap tricks. You betcha I had it underlined. Uh-huh. I'm so excited. Take me for some conjurer of cheap tricks. Yeah. Uh, anyway, go ahead. I interrupted uh, you like three times. No, I love it. Thaddeus Rowan. 
Yeah. Seems like a good choice for uh, for Bela. Um, they describe him as Captain Perfect. Holy crap. Uh, he was cheerful. He was well-liked. He was respected. He was a good husband. He was a good father. So he's a widower, by the way. Um, proud without being arrogant. Just in judgment, but not vindictive. Loyal to his friends. Dutiful in religious matters. Seems perfect, right? He sounds great. He sounds like a good dude. Yeah. But you know what? He's old and he's fat. Yeah. So Bela's like, nerp. In fact... As, you know, she's always got to be poking the bear a little bit. She's like, yeah, I even banged two of his sons already. So don't think it's going to work. That's such a great way to get out of this. Right? So clever. Uh, so they basically send her to her room um, from which she escapes and leaves. And she, uh, they can't find her. They don't know where she went. Well, guess where she's run off to? She's gone out to her, uh, to, to a relative Alan Valerion yeah. at Dragonstone. Yeah. She just goes and finds him. She pours out her heart to him, all her troubles. And before you know it, without anyone's permission, Bela Targaryen and Alan Valerion get married at Dragonstone. I'm trying to do my Suck family tree Regency. math. Yeah. Suck it, Regency. I'm trying to do my family tree math. They're cousins, right? They are cousins. Bela being Daemon's son and daughter a daughter excuse me uh well it, it, all de- <laughs> it all depends on on who we believe alan was the son of right if he was lanor's son or corliss's son but right. i guess in the end it's still kind of a cousin thing right yeah sort of sure. yes uh, Ooh, boy. yeah hmm. um the the word gets back to to King's Landing, and Thailand, to his credit, he rolls with it. He rolls with it. He explains it thus: you know, the boy comes from noble blood. Yeah. I don't doubt he will prove as loyal as his brother. That's the public statement. That's the statement they make to the press. Look, this is gonna be great. It's Valerian. Look yeah. who his brother was. This is gonna work out fine. Yeah, I got two things to say about this. So, first of all, her behavior removes her from... I think you probably were about to cover this. Her behavior really removes her from the line of succession. Because they're yeah, like, look at this, this is crazy. But she probably didn't not want it anyway. Intractable. Yeah, not only is she intractable, <laughs> but now she married a bastard. So yeah. any kid they have will have bastard blood, and that, of course, is not good. You right. can't have that. Even though he's suck. legitimized. Right. But yep. she probably didn't want it anyway. I don't think she wanted to be queen, really. Oh, I agree. Uh, and then the other thing is, so they just sneak it in there with one line. George is great at this. A fortnight mm. later, they were married. Mm-hmm. Well, it does not take a fortnight to get to to, uh, to Driftmark. What the fuck did Tylen do for those two weeks? Go get her, right? Like, like I almost feel like he was okay with it even before it happened. Right. Well, did he know she was there? I... Th- mm. It's a fair question. Fine. Maybe my theory is bad. No, but I, 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 I think it still means something that he was like not maybe not really looking for her that hard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to find her now. When she turns up. 
I don't know that he did, and, and I don't know that it says whether he did or not. But Yeah, he does find out. Yet a day later, he discovered to his dismay that Bela had fled the castle by some secret means. Okay. Uh, fled the well, castle. Well, maybe not. By the time the hue and cry went up, she was halfway across Blackwater Bay, having hired a fisherman to carry her to Driftmark. So you're right, maybe uh-huh. he doesn't know. He doesn't know where she went, but the yeah. she was gone. Yeah, I don't know. You think that maybe the maester would have like been like, "Hey, just so you know, yeah, found the uh, <laughs> here. Who knows? Who <laughs> like knows? when uh, when like one of our neighbor's kids just like shows up at our house to play, and you shoot a text to the neighbor saying, "Hey, just so you know, yeah. Sam's here. It's yeah. fine, but just so you know." Um. Anyways. Hey, Sam, got a shout-out on the podcast. Neighbor two doors down. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening. <clears throat> yeah, he's like three. Um, Maybe in a few years, little little Sambo will be will find Davos Fingers podcast after you and I are long gone. God, I hope We'll not. listen to this episode. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've got Bela. That's what happens to Bela, as Skad, you mentioned. It pretty much solidified the regency against naming her or her offspring heirs um, because of this whole experience, both because of her kind of attitude and also who she married. <clears throat> Reyna, on the other hand, is the exact opposite. She's more tractable. She's willing to wed whoever. She's like, I'm sure I'll learn to love him. My only request, just if you can... Make him be not old and fat. Literally the same thing that Bela doesn't want. Yep, yep. Just such a uh, different way to go about asking for it. She says, oh, I don't have the book open in front of me, but she basically says, like, I, do. I, I need him young enough to, like, still be able to give me kids, and I'd prefer it if he wasn't so heavy that he crushed me when Yes. When you, we're you, going nailed, you nailed it. It would please me if he was... Not so old, he could not give me children, nor so fat that he would crush me when we are crush me when we are abed. <laughs> yeah. So Thailand uh, decides to go about this another way. This is a great parenting hack for when you've got kids that um, can be stubborn and willful. Ask them their opinion. Ask them what they would like to do. Sometimes they just like to be included in the decision-making process, even if you don't end up going along with what they say. So Thailand, perhaps learning a little bit from Bela, um, asks Reyna, well, if you could marry anyone, who would you pick? And she's like, Corwin Corbray. Hmm, who else? Mm. <laughs> who else you got on your yeah. list there? <laughs> and? Uh, she's got a little crush on him. He, he was uh, he came from an he was a great knight apparently um you've heard of his brother leowin whose older brother is actually serving as protector of the realm right now but corwin um actually wields the family's valyrian steel sword uh you know he seems like a pretty cool guy he's a second son however leowin's his older brother he was also previously married he's a little bit older but not super old they say he's 32 um, so there's, there's pros and cons. But... Most importantly in that marriage, he only had daughters. Yes. So there wouldn't be any sort of secession issue with having a married in son, right? Well, no, they're, they want Rayna to have a son. Right. But so... what I'm saying is, is there oh. won't be any problem with 
saying like, well, what about Corwin's that son makes him, from his first marriage? That makes him positive. What makes him negative right. is they want him to be able to make sons. They and want so far he's only given <laughs> daughters. Right. Yeah. So it's a plus and a minus, I guess. So he's only shooting pinks right now. Um, anyways, you know, it's not the ideal choice. But he did come from an ancient house, and he's a good warrior and everything. So they they actually make it happen. Uh, they they stamp the approval on it. But <laughs> why? Because they need to get these two married, get them in bed, and get an heir quickly before Bela can have kids. So they that's the whole reason for the need for speed in in this whole matchmaking process is basically getting. Uh, getting Raina as quickly pregnant as quickly as they can. So, which is so jacked up anyway, because who cares about speed? Bela was the firstborn, so she's if she has anyway. Of course, <sighs> I agree on. with you. Moving on, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think. Oh gosh, I'm gonna check. Spoiler alert! I think Raina actually only ends up having girls with Corwin. Well, she then goes and marries a high tower and has four kids. Right. Uh, I don't know what she has. Maybe she doesn't have any kids with Corrin. I should have checked that before I backed myself into this corner. That's okay. We'll cover it in a future episode, maybe. Yes, we will. Yeah, it'll be better to cover in the future episode. Not important right now. Uh, she ends up marrying. So they've got those two married, and hopefully they'll get a kid. Uh, other marriages, this is when Allison and Cregan end up getting married. Um, they ends up going by Ben Blackwood, and she does marry Cregan. Uh, Alinda Baratheon gets married too. Yeah. But um, the secession crisis... Crisis situation kind of ends up getting overlooked um actually no i don't want to talk about that women the ladies the ladies uh it's said in the text never before or since in the history of the seven kingdoms have so many women wielded so much power ruling in the place of their slain husbands brothers fathers and uh, sons who might be in swaddling clothes. So we've got, uh, I love, I do like seeing these women doing things. Joanna Lannister. We talked about her already. Yeah, she's the most badass to me. Rebuffed repeatedly by Tyland, her brother-in-law, and by her dad, apparently Roland Westerling. Yep. Ends up personally leading men into battle. Legend says she, like, killed a bunch of dudes. More realistically, she kind of was a standard bearer and more symbolic than anything. Who can say? Um, but in the end, she ends up turning back the Ironborn in some in some engagements at Case and other places and ends up, you know, she's not a warrior, but she does a pretty dang good job doing what she inspiring needs to do. Inspiring her troops, yeah. Inspiring her troops and taking care of her family. Yeah. When no one else will, she takes matters into her own hands and does a great job. Love that about her. Uh, also mentioned in the text is one Sheris Footley, 
Remember the Footleys when we were reading the Tumbleton stuff? Uh, she basically rebuilds all of Tumbleton and does a fantastic job of getting that place up and running again. Yeah, I love she, this story she, too. She Tyland Lannisters basically Tumbleton. Puts it back together, man. Yeah, and I, I just have a little thing here. Uh, uh, this reminded me, this story of, of rebuilding Tumbleton after it was just wrecked and destroyed. We covered oh this a gosh. few episodes ago when it was destroyed by dragons and then destroyed again by uh, by Adam Valerian with his dragon and just the city's been destroyed. And in between, I, it was just like a constant sacking. Yes, constant sacking happening in the middle. So I follow this. I've talked about it before. I follow this show called Critical Role, which probably a lot of you have heard of by now. Mm. Um, and my favorite little section uh for, for those that don't know, it's a, dun- it's a live Dungeons & Dragons game. The people that play it are professional voice actors. They love getting into character, doing role play. And this this moment, completely unscripted, uh, to me kind of outlines exactly the way I feel about rebuilding Tumbleton. And it, completely unscripted and on the fly between these two actors, and I'll try to do two voices so you can tell when I'm switching. This is between two characters, Percy and Keyleth. And Percy starts... How long do you live? If I complete my journey, it could be upwards of a thousand years or more. How long do you think I live? Less than a hundred, if you're lucky. No. How long? I am Percival Frederickstein von Musel-Klausowski to the Rollo the Third. <laughs> no kidding. My ancestry dates back thousands of years and will continue for thousands more, unless Whitestone falls. This place is the human soul. This is what we have built with our tiny moments. To lose a place like this, we don't feel it immediately. But it would ruin everyone in small ways. He's talking there about uh, Mm. the the fall of a city um, and whether or not they leave it to ruin or rebuild it. Mm -hmm. And um, he's saying he can live forever if his city lives forever. And... Sheriff's Footley has a city that's been here for a long time and they can rebuild it or they can give up on it and if you give up on it it's just a part of your soul that is gone forever right and uh, it's a great bit from Critical Role if you don't watch Critical Role you all should but be careful it's something like 800 hours of commitment Oof. yeah, um, yeah. anyway that was lovely though thanks yeah. Ah, let's see. So we talked about Joanna. We talked about Sheriff Footley, uh, Samantha, Lady Sam, uh, Hightower. She, uh, we said the High Septon differed in opinion. He did not agree <laughs> yeah. with uh, Lady Sam and little Lionel, her stepson, shacking up together. Yeah. Um, she's, she stands up to him. She has a fun little moment where she rides into the, uh, to the Sept, is it? Yes. On um, on horseback because he said she couldn't enter, and so she didn't enter on foot. She entered the horse, um, and she ends up getting him to relent and like back down from his from his constant railing against the relationship. But yeah, it's a little weird. I, this is my least favorite of the stories, just because it feels unfinished. Um, he had no choice but to relent. Rel- mm-hmm. what the, what is that relent to what like like all he says is you're a bad person and she rides and and, aren't, and you're not welcome here so do you just relent and saying okay you can come back 
here to pray and stuff. I don't know right. What, I don't know well, what he does. Means. He does demand that she joins the Silent Sisters, stuff like that. It's yeah. part of her penance and everything. So you mean he relented in that point? Maybe he just like let it go. Fine, you but don't it wasn't. Have to join them. It wasn't until the next High Septon, the next High Septon kind of just like he actually like accepted their yeah. relationship or something right. like that. So the last lady of note, and this this is interesting. It kind of seems a little shoehorned in, yeah. but let's bring it up because it's interesting. Remember Alice Rivers? I do. Remember her? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hall. Don't know where she's from. Don't know who she is, really. Well, she's from Hall. She's a bastard Apparently. Strong. Apparently. Supposedly. Yeah. Uh, seems younger than she actually is. Uh, all this, calling her a sorceress or a witch queen who's ruling the bandits at Hall. So Hall, Hall, what a place, right? Yeah, yep. Uh, basically, after the battle over the god's eye, when Amon Targaryen and Daemon had their famous fight, um, Hall's just kind of been there. Uh, no one's gone to take it back. It hasn't been a priority. And it ends up being kind of overrun by these bandits who just kind of squat there. And they're kind of end up being led by Alice Rivers. Um, Kingsguard member already mentioned in this episode, Regis Groves, is sent to reclaim the castle. He's joined by uh, Damon Derry in doing so. And when they get to the castle, they demand to speak to the Lord. And who appears on the battlements? Alice Rivers with a son, a young yeah. son, who she claims was Amon's and therefore was the rightful king. We remember that when Amon rode off to battle Daemon, um, she was apparently pregnant at the time. Uh, so as she claims that Amon and her son is the rightful king of Westeros, Groves basically throws, in, throws a pretty solid dig her way. Um, don't remember exactly. I didn't write down exactly what she said. Basically, calls her a cow, I believe. <laughs> um, Sounds right. And you know, obviously, call an Amon a bastard and everything that they'll never bow to someone like him. Uh, and Rivers, according to some, his head explodes, <laughs> like it just explodes. Uh, some <laughs> claim it was magic. Uh, others say maybe it was just a crossbow bolt that hit him, but or a soft lead ball from a sling. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll. Who knows? She seems to have some power. Uh, mm-hmm. she reminds you of Mel a little bit. She can, you know, read the fires and, but other Absolutely. things too. It, it mentions a few different kind of things that she does that speak to several different types of magicy uh, things. It's it's really an interesting piece, Alice Rivers, that she kind of ties some things together. Um, you can go Google it and read all you want, but basically, you know, she's, she's got some magic in her. Um, you know, the hand on the neck seems like the murder baby on Renly a little bit. The, the handprint. Oh, you're not there yet, are you? Mm -hmm. Not quite. Nope. (laughs) But she consulted fires, which is a little bit like Mel. There was, there was a theory out there between, between the novellas and fire and blood that maybe the child in her belly was Mel. Right. Yep. But Fire and Blood kind of disproves that, right? Saying it's a boy, yeah. yeah. Anyway, continue but, the story. Yeah, it's, 
that's why because it's super fascinating but it's just not in any way fleshed out and you wonder yes. if that's for a reason that george isn't fleshing it out for a reason it just seems so unfinished and they but... don't come back to it yeah so it's kind of like well it doesn't feel that important because they only talk about her like a page at a time every few hundred pages alice rivers pops up again yeah or maybe not a hundred but you know what i mean <clears throat> and then she's gone again just as quickly as she was there but anyways this battle ensues after uh regis groves is killed and um kind of one man makes it back well there's 30 some odd men that that make it back but one man makes it back uh and he says something kind of interesting speaking of the magic stuff he says, any man who comes near her walls will die. There's power in them stones, and the widow's woken it. Seven, save us all. She has a dragon. I've seen it. Which is interesting. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? What? No, you haven't. What? Mm. <laughs> right? Dragon? Really? And then there's this whole slightly entertaining, but really dark moment where he says a spell has been cast on him and if anyone laughs at what he's reporting back he will die and someone does laugh and he does die noisily and quickly noisily and quickly and like scott said he has like a handprint around his throat because if someone strangled him but uh so heron hall remains untaken and tylan meant to retake it but he's distracted by the onslaught of uh, what comes to be called the winter fever. Yeah. Terrible sw- sickness that swept through the seven kingdoms, particularly it seems like on that east side of the country. Uh, started at the three sisters. They believed it originated with Ibanese sailors. Um, and it ended up knocking out half the population of Sisterton and then kind of moved port to port after that. Say only one in four who contracted the winter fever survived. So some people kind of made it through and uh, the fevers and stuff like that and came out the other end okay, but most perished. Um, yeah, those those are not it, good odds for anyone keeping score. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be that, uh, any of those four probably, because even if you make it through, it wiped you out. Um, notable deaths. It, so it did get into King Landing. Medrick Manderley, uh up in well, he was up in White Harbor. He dies, but that forces Torin Manderly, who is on the Regency, to step away from the Regency and return to White Harbor. So there's another Regent gone. Um, Willis Fell of the Kingsguard, he's gone. Two more Kingsguard members. Leowen Corbray, the protector of the realm, he bites it. Roland Westerling bites it. Another Regent. Alicent Hightower. Yes, she is still alive. Freaking oh, Allison oh. Hightower is still alive. And after all that uh, has gone on with Allison Hightower, what does she end up dying from? Winter fever. Winter fever. Yeah. Uh, and perhaps most notably, Tyland Lannister. Tyland gets it at the end right he's one of the last very people end. to get a case uh-huh. and it's interesting it says that uh for many it took like f- on average about four days for winter fever 
to take somebody. You could survive about four days. And if you made it past the four days, there's a good chance you were going to recover. Um, I believe it said Thailand only made it about two. Yeah. So succumbed very quickly. Or foul play. Uh, mm-hmm. Or, hmm, mm-hmm. I think it says Septon Eustace was the only one there besides Aegon when uh, Thailand passed. Yeah. I wonder. Hmm. But, uh, I mean, I don't know what motivation you'd have, but. Again, yeah, yeah. Walking down, I always put myself on paths that have no end point. Uh, just for the fun of walking them. Of note here is a little bit of what what is labeled as heroism on little Aegon the Third. Remember our our little boy who's dead inside. He's still not very old here. Yeah. Uh, but during this spell where the winter fever is overtaking. King's Landing and is running rampant. Aegon the Third, he who is uninterested in rule, who just wanders and stares and and doesn't do much of anything, spends his days visiting the sick. Yeah, isn't that isn't that cool and interesting? Um, it said he would he would spend his days visiting the sick, holding hands, soothing fevers, sharing silences. It says he didn't ever say much, but he listened. Uh, and it said many, many who he visited still died, but those who lived attributed their their survival to his healing hands. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a weird thing what motivates people. Um, you know, Aegon was maybe a boy. I mean, he is a boy, right? He's like eleven years old. Maybe, but but maybe a boy that just hated to see suffering because he felt so much about it or so much of it so he wanted right. to give people comfort maybe but or maybe maybe a little darker he felt closer to death than he was to life so he felt more comfortable in that environment just because he'd you know been kind of more surrounded by it his whole life his whole youth i can definitely see both of it yeah maybe he felt he was more capable to deal with it than other people because he'd seen so much more if anyone's going to do it it's me because i know how this goes so I'm going to do I'll it. Do yeah. It. So somebody else doesn't have to. Maybe he, there's that whole Targaryen immune to disease thing. We know it's not true, really, that, that some of them have gotten sick before, for sure. Um, or, you know what? M- the most macabre option I've got, maybe he was hoping to get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that ran through my head, <laughs> but you said it. Uh huh. Um, you know what? I'm going to go the optimistic route. You would. Just say that. Coward. Yep. <laughs> it's always me. It's always me. <laughs> uh, a good, a good, good guy, a good guy, a broken guy, but a good guy. And, and I was thinking about that. Maybe one of the greatest, one of the greatest casualties of the dance of the dragons is, is Prince Aegon is Aegon the third. Um, and how he didn't die in in the in the dance of the dragons but he never really lived right mm. uh because of what he experienced there and I, I the the quote by davos stuck in my head what is the life of one boy everything and uh i think that applies to Aegon the third and kind of kind of his whole life right we'll we'll explore more but we will. it doesn't get much better uh, yeah, for the poor kid. For sure, troubled, a troubled reign, a troubled life. Mm-hmm. 
Interesting yeah. that it was a it was it was a peaceful reign for the most part. Yeah, they're just tired um, of fighting. Spoiler right? alert. Maybe. But yeah, still, still, uh, he was he's not viewed as a very popular king. Yeah. <sighs> okay, that's it. Yeah, we're gonna on wrap that it note. Up. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us, Kalisar. I don't know that we even have any final thoughts because it continues. Next episode, we'll get more into Aegon the Third's reign. We will get more into Aegon's reign. We might not mm-hmm. have final thoughts, but we do have sign-off quotes. We Stay do. Close. Yep. Yep. Um, this is Matt, and uh, this lyric has just been on my mind lately. Ooh. I've, I've, yeah, I've always got to do lyrics, and this one particularly has been on my mind as... I've self-examined and thought about why I make the decisions I do and stuff like that and whether I'm compromising me and this line from Smashing Pumpkin's song Tonight Tonight uh, has stuck out to me. So this is Matt signing off saying and reminding you that uh, in the words of Billy Corgan, the more you change, the less you feel. That's all I got. Uh, mine's, uh, a, a little bit, uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit sour, um, as well. That's so what I like about you. Just, um, you know, take care of each other out there. Uh, as Matt said earlier this week, don't be dicks to each other. We've got, uh, a great fandom. I don't mean our podcast. I mean, the family of a Song of Ice and Fire fans treat each other well out there. Take care of each other. Thanks, guys. Good night. Bye. High in the halls of the kings who are gone, Jenny would dance with the goals. The ones she had lost and the ones she had found and the ones who loved her the most. The ones who'd been gone for so very long that they couldn't remember their name. They spun her around on the damp old stone, spun away all the sorrow and pain. She never wanted to leave. She never wanted to leave. She never wanted to leave. Yeah, just never wanted to. They danced through the day and into the night Through the snow they swept through the hall From winter to summer they went her again Till the walls did crumble and fall She never wanted to leave She never wanted to leave She never wanted to leave yeah. Just never wanted to leave she never wanted to leave She never wanted to leave She never wanted to leave Just never wanted, never wanted, never wanted to leave High in the halls of the kings who are gone Jenny would dance with a ghost.
The one she had lost and the one she had found and the ones who had loved her the most. It's going. <laughs> All right. Just took a took a minute. It needed it needed a quick reminder what its purpose in life was. <laughs> How you doing, man? I I need that too sometimes. Yeah. You, uh, you know what yours is? is? <laughs> yes. Oh, good. Good for you. Return to my heavenly father someday. Oh, right. I guess that makes it easier. <laughs> <laughs> and you can too, Scott. <laughs> I, you know what? I think that ship has sailed. It's never too late, Scott. <laughs> I got some guys you I want to... You have played send... an extremely long long con for this. <laughs> Five years later, the time has come, my friend. I've got some boys I want to introduce you to. <laughs> uh, they're at your door now. <laughs> Matt, mm -hmm. you didn't even... You're I didn't even tell you. You were I didn't even tell you. You didn't even tell me you were doing that. I mean, I knew you had something, but you... You didn't tell me you had it for now. I'm so worried about it, dude. I'm so worried about it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're recording this, and then there will be like that whole week where you stick your thumb up your butt and process this thing. Is it recorded already? It's, or do you I've still got, have to record it? No, I've got a phone recorded version oh, of geez. it. Oh, <laughs> jeez. Um, this is how you do it, though, to yourself. You put it, you put it out in the episode, so you have to do it. Exactly. Man, it's ballsy. Exactly. But um no, I, that the recording's not the part I'm worried about. It's and I'll put this in the in the outtakes. Is uh so I I came up with a version of Jenny of Old Stones. Um but I love the versions that are out there. I think that it's the correct interpretation for it to have kind of that haunting you described it as haunting and that's how I describe it too, feel to the song. That's how the song is. Uh, but I wanted to reimagine it a little bit, oh. so it's 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 almost kind of a a, a good time version of Jenny of Old Stones, well, and I'm really God, I'm sorry. really worried about what people are gonna think of. <laughs> well, you've said before uh, to me that one of your favorite things to do with music is take uh, tempo and speed and um, and things like that and and belie the lyrics uh, with it. Yeah, uh, and, and make them make them play off each other as, as opposites uh, yeah i love so I, I love about, I guess, uh, maybe is that what i'm about to hear i guess i'm spoiling it for everyone well we'll put this in the outtakes so. all right perfect so they'll hear this song first um it, yeah i love sad songs that sound happy yes right. those are my favorite kind of songs you put it much more simply than i did i like my version better i do too <laughs> but people people just love that that song so much and they love the feeling of it that i'm worried that they'll really feel like i did it did the song dirty this way but like alien ant farm with uh with smooth criminal with smooth criminal <laughs> this is my alien ant farm <laughs> i am the alien ant farm of jenny of old stones every time i hear that song i literally like scream at the radio no no <laughs> no like michael when he sees toby no yes. no 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 but you know throw it out there all right, I'm excited to hear it, and I I doubt that's the reaction you get, 
um, the alien ant farm reaction. But uh, I'm excited. <laughs> okay, we'll have to figure out how to get that back into the transition back into this episode here. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let me just give this. Um... Thank you.